going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group, D-Mendy here, joined by a cheesy man who slices the competition and collects that cheddar. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake VLC. LT, how's it going? I'm happy. First show of the new year. Happy to turn the calendar over. 2021 actually was a brutal year for my fantasy baseball. Um, <laughs> but uh, 2022 is already starting out. I, I got, I'm in the middle of a draft right now. Real happy with how it's going. We'll see how that ends up at the end of the season. But uh, real happy to be here. How you guys doing? Pretty good. It's Bubba's drafting hole, right? That's one of his, his drafting hole leagues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. We'll have to figure out who's on your roster a little bit later. I'm interested to hear who you're picking so far. But, of course, we're also joined by my favorite gambling degenerate. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? You know, one of my bookies is getting shut down, so uh, I might not be your favorite gambling degenerate anymore. Now, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. Maybe pick up knitting or something. You could do that. You could do that. Uh, of course, the last member of the crew, the man that parties it up in hotel rooms and our couple goals. It's Marty Tallman. What's up? Hey, man, uh, as always, great to be here um, from my cell phone because Xfinity Internet is the worst. You can uh, print that. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, man, I guess we lost Xfinity as a potential sponsor of this show. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But I'll tell you what's also okay. You know, it's better than okay. It's our guest this week. Welcome in a man that slaps. And if he were to be a rating in MLB The Show, he'd be a 91. He's a writer a podcaster over at Fangraphs, a Twitch partner, where you can watch him play MLB The Show better than you play with others' emotions. He's a smooth operator when he talks about how he ranks his players, and ladies and gentlemen, he's the wizard of Wordle, king of the dub club, and a dog dad. It's forking Paul Swore. How's it going, man? What an intro. That was perfect. Thank you so much. I love every bit of that. Uh, It's great to be back, and Wordle's a fun game. If you guys aren't playing it, you got to get on it. Uh, W-O-R-D-L-E. Fun, yeah, so I fun saw word that on, puzzle. I saw that. What? So what exactly, how do you solve these? The super puzzles? easy. Well, uh, the, the, the concept is super easy. There's uh, a five-letter word that you're trying to figure out, and you get five tries. I think you get six tries. You just type in the letters, and it tells you if, if the letter's green, you have it in the right spot, right letter. If it's yellow, the letter's in the word, but you don't have it in the right spot. And you process of elimination trying to figure out the word. It's a lot of fun. I think we have to try this on Triple Play one of these times. It actually it's, sounds really It's a fun. lot of fun. I just downloaded it on the app right now. Your sales <laughs> skills are impeccable. <laughs> it's one a day, though, too. And so unless people have, like, I'm sure somebody has created something where you can kind of do the past ones. But the the, the one from the guy is just one a day. And, man, I crave it. I, I want to do, like, 50 of them. <laughs> but it's kind of keeping it so that I don't burn out on it, too. So I kind of like that he is just keeping it at one a day. He's, like, not monetizing it. He just created it for his girlfriend. She loved it, and now it's a it's a phenomenon. That's awesome. So you get it wrong, you have to wait till the next day to try another one. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. And I got the first one wrong that I ever did, <laughs> and I could not wait. I was like, I need this next one. I'm so mad. And I'll oh. tell you, I'll just tell you that what I missed. You can use the same letter twice, which can make it kind of difficult sometimes because you're only thinking of like the illuminated letters. And we didn't even know that you could do the same letter twice. So we didn't get the word. Plus, I'd never heard of the word trust. T-U-R-S-S. Big yeah. trust. Like, Big trust. No, 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 no. You guys are thinking of trust. That's with two Zs. That's the Lamar Jackson thing. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Truss is like tie or bind something. I don't know. It was some garbage. It's a fake word. I hated it. <laughs> and I hate the word in Madden. I hate I hate that thing. Truss. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, you sold us for sure. It's I'm a bad I'm, feature in Madden, too. It's a, it's like a power-up that is, is worthless, in my opinion. Wait, wait. Not to get on like, video games. I, you know, not, not to plug another podcast, but isn't that Mark Ingram's podcast name, The Big Truss, or is it Big Truss? Probably the big trust. Like that is a like that's a phrase. He would have been on those teams. It, it's based off Lamar Jackson. T U R Z Z. That's a different thing. This was an uh, actual word. Trust uh, with two S's. So uh, I don't know. Okay, Mark Ingram's not just have to call trust levels, but with a Z at the end. There you go. He's right. Yeah, that's yeah, like well, the popular way to to say trust, which is fine. I just didn't understand it. So before we dive into all the, the good fantasy baseball goodness, Paul, you do a lot. Let's put it lightly. You're doing a bunch of twitching. You're doing some fan graphs. I actually was reading some of your Q and A's on your fan graph uh, thing back and forth. I was like, I'm too late to the party, but I can at least stalk the conversation. And uh, so, I mean, you're you're doing a lot of different things. You do multiple different uh, sports as far as for video games. Which I, when I originally talked to you the first time, I thought it was just MLB the Show, and that's kind of what pretty much was. And this is a pretty recent change that I've just been playing whatever I want right now. And how is, do you like the variety now, or do you kind of I miss love just it. being like the... No, I love it. I could keep playing MLB if I wanted to, but I didn't want to just play that every day. I was kind of a little bit burned out on it, and I wanted to play other games, so I've just started to. And a lot of things, a lot of times when you kind of have a game that you're known for on Twitch, it's hard to change, because you will lose a part of your audience. Mm. But I'm playing to do what I want, not to just necessarily have the biggest audience. So the people that want to hang and watch me play whatever, those are the people I'm, I'm streaming for anyway. So I've been playing other games, and it's it's been great. And the support has definitely been there. Now, I know this is a baseball podcast. This will mm-hmm. be the one football reference. Second, I guess, with the big trust thing. Have you ever, in Madden, created yourself and then put yourself at a position and then just try to stack up your stats? Because that, I think, is like one of the funnest things you can do in Madden. No, but that's actually a great idea for stream, is to do that and make myself a lanky wide receiver and then just put him on, on the franchise team. Yes! And just make him become a god. I love that idea. Oh, what man. would your hands oh. be if you made yourself in Madden? I mean, I would I would overrate it. Obviously, if I'm in the NFL, I'm, I'm <laughs> I like peaked. Everything went a completely different way. Uh, you know, I, I was able to keep on weight as a as a as a teen, and you know, I uh, I had better vision. So at that point, I'd be putting my hands pretty high because for the time I played, which was just some pee wee bullshit and in, in two years <laughs> of high school, the one thing I could do was catch the ball. So I, I would probably have them pretty high, not like ninety nine. You got to build up to something. Ninety one. Is that fair? I'd probably start them. No, I probably I, I would probably start it in the in the eighties somewhere and kind of work it up. Okay. I like that. Because like Madden, Madden's progression system is pretty pretty good. The way you kind of work through it and progress it. So I would start it there and kind of let the player work up. I think I'm going to do this on stream. I'm going. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to put them on my Carolina Panthers franchise that we have, but I'm going to put my myself on the team and then just sim it. I don't want to hear any Ken Holman slander. <laughs> he is the future. He's the present and the future. In no the, slander. I'm saying, no, no, I'm I know. You're not slandering, but there is a lot of hate out there for Ken Holman. He's a created quarterback in my league. I'm talking too was. much football. I'm sorry. No, uh, he's a created quarterback, but he's the future. But he's a, he's divisive. I threw 30 interceptions with him last <laughs> season. <laughs> but we went 15-2 and two and made the Super Bowl. We lost what? to the Chiefs. Yeah, so the defense is amazing. And so, um, <laughs> you know, he's in that third, like, he's, he's Jameis. People calling him Jameis in my stream because I love he him. has some good plays, but he throws a lot of interceptions. And that's me because I'm terrible at the game. 
Oh my god, I gotta start checking more of these out. That's a lot of fun. The Madden Street, the the Panthers franchise has been a ton of fun. All right, well, you've picked up a few more usual watchers here, so that's gonna be good. And, uh, of course, I know it's a lot of football talk, but we have plenty of baseball, so don't you worry, people. Plenty of baseball coming. Today's episode, we have our ADP loves and hates. So now that we're officially in 2022, whether you love it or you hate it, it's officially fantasy baseball draft season. And speaking of love and hate, we have the guy I hate on this show, Doc. We have the guy I love on this show, Paul. Yeah. So it's going to be great, great discussion having all that. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this love and hate, and we're going to look at that ADP love and hate form from NFBC, looking at the NFBC ABP from December 1st to basically today. And it obviously not really much has changed because of the lockout, but we're going to be able to kind of allow this settling in time to be able to dissect the ADP as it stands today and be able to identify who we love and who we hate at their ADP. So it's going to be a fun exercise. Make sure you stay tuned for all that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, who has had the best rookie season but not won the rookie of the year and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to do this dang thing, then let's get this thing started. But before we, of course, dive in, just a quick plug reminder here. Do you enjoy the content of Triple Play Fantasy and want to hear more of the great stuff here on the Triple Play Fantasy Network? You can check out our baseball, basketball, and football podcasts. You can go to the YouTube channel where we talk about eating sandwiches with Eno Saris. We also uh, have Marty and Christian release a Boston Red Sox prospect video today that you can check out over there. Also on TriplePlayFantasy.com, you'll see couple baseball articles over the last few weeks. Marty's got his outfield rankings on there. You got all your rankings right on there. Yep. Uh, I'm almost done with starting pitcher. That'll come out next week. All right. I love it. And like you always hear, great things comes in, great things in life. They come in threes. You got three stooges. You got the three French hens. You got three piece suits. Heck, maybe even your love life. Maybe there's three people there. Who knows? But you know what else comes in threes? Triple play fantasy. The mecca of football, basketball, and of course your baseball needs. So let's now dive into our ADP loves and hates, and we're going to pull up the ADP board. I'll have it on screen so you guys can see it. And while I pull that sharing screen up, we're going to let our guests kick this one off here. And Paul, I'd like you to give us a hitter that you love their ADP. All right. I get to go straight up Homer on this one. So we're off to a uh, rousing start, as I recommend to Keel Badu at pick 161, outfielder 43. I mean, I think people are really sleeping on this guy. It's not, it's not a Tigers bias type thing. Maybe there, there, there is an inherent bias, right? Cause the team you watch the most, you have biases there. No, nobody should ever be saying I'm unbiased. You can't be. You, you're taking an in info. Uh, all your opinions have biases in them. What people are meaning to say is that they're not putting like a, an outsized bias on something, which I don't think I'm doing here. I think you can look at the skills here and realize this isn't just some homerism with Badu. If you kind of look at the trajectory of his season, he really came on. Rule 5 pickup, started hot and was kind of a, a, an exciting guy, but the skills weren't there. He had a 44% strikeout rate, 3% walk rate in April. So it was like, this is this is a stone-cold fluke. Well, then he changed in season. 24% strikeout rate, 11% walk rate from May 1st on. That was a 756 OPS that he put up during that time. He does struggle with lefties, but with a 756 OPS, which is 10 points lower than he had for the year this year, I think he can put up a 2020 season playing all, all, all year. Um, he'll get some sits against lefties, but there's a lot of upside here. And if he improves against lefties, I mean, he's 23 next year. If Akil Badu improves against lefties, it's all over. But I think this is a 2020 season just waiting to be picked. 
after outfielder 40. Yeah, and I'm curious, Marty, you're also a big Detroit Tigers fan. How do you feel about the potential of Akil Badu? Do you see as much upside as Paul's saying? And then I will add this too. People were talking about Riley Green potentially if he does come up, which, you know, maybe he does come up this season. Would you think Victor Reyes potentially could be playing in the outfield or, you know, uh, any of those type of guys would probably get replaced over Akil Badu? So you've got to think he also has that protection going for him as well, right? Yeah, and, you know, in touch and I actually just echo exactly what Sport said. I mean, Badu has that 2020 potential on top of Robbie Grossman. He's one of my favorites too at his ADP. Um, AJ Hintz has shown that he wants to run with this team. So, uh, the stolen bases are coming. And now, as far as, um, anyone taking a kill Badu's job, I don't see it. You know, Victor Reyes is on his way out as it is. He was at best, he was their fourth outfielder. And as far as Riley Green, until I see it, I, I don't see them uh, calling him up this year. I mean, they, they may, they may be able to do it halfway through the year, but, um, I see this team fully committed to winning, uh, 2023. Yeah, you guys, I mean, it's a good time to be a Tigers fan. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, uh, you guys have so many great prospects coming up. And, uh, yeah, it it's, sucks as a Twins fan to have to be around to hear we, all this. This has been a, a brutal hey. baseball. And with the um, the front office just not committing to spending any money until now, um, uh, yeah, we, I, I think Spore and I, uh, I think he would agree that we deserve this. I was just about to say, I think, I think Detroit fans, uh, absolutely deserve it. No city with four teams has had a worse run than the one they're currently in. It's an absolute nightmare. So the, the fruits of all this, uh, uh, awfulness is starting to bear and it's been awesome. You know, everyone knows the story about how they were 500 from May 1st on as a team. A lot of the young players starting to graduate. I do think Green will be up this year, but I, I, I just don't think Badu is the one at risk. Again, Unless he falls off. If he falls back into the old strikeout habits and not walking, sure. But as the guy that we saw for five of the six months last year, no shot that he's in trouble. Reyes kind of one foot out the door, too. He was not getting as much playing time as you would have expected this year. Uh, the thing that could keep Green down, unless he just tears the cover off the ball, is I kind of have a little sleeper love for Derek Hill, too. He and Badu might just be a perfect platoon because Hill is a right-hander who, who beats up on lefties. But man, there, there's a world where Hill develops a bit. Those two and Grossman kind of lock down the outfield. And then Green, you know, unless he just goes crazy in the minors, he might not have a spot to play. So if he's just kind of high 700s, low 800s at AAA, they might just let him develop for a full year. I yeah, like I how think- you said that we deserve this when you guys haven't even won anything yet. It's a pre-victory lap. I mean, it's, it's no, good. No, it's, it, op- no, it's optimism. This, we, we just deserve the, the excitement. Is all okay. like that we just okay. deserve that like we okay. deserve every bit of the fact that it's uh, like starting to happen we probably deserved better than Baez. I'm, I'm gonna say it at least they got one of the premium shortstops i really had my heart set on correa but all i mean is we just deserve something good to okay. care about because nothing good has happened in detroit sports and i don't know how long the last time the wings were good i guess and i know they're on the come up too Cade in detroit with the uh, with the pistons uh, the Lions, uh, there are a few things going, but it's been another bad year. So, yeah, even just the prospect of a good season, Lions fans or Tigers fans deserve. Detroit fans, I should say. I, I just will beautiful. never, I'll never get over the Maglio Ordonez, Victor Reyes's, Miguel Cabrera in his try, or Victor Martinez, uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel Cabrera in his prime. When you like Jan- Jeremy Bonderman, like that whole team, I just like, I despise. Wow. 
playing you guys so much. Like I was like, oh my god, I same hate the so much. Same the, 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 <laughs> those two teams, the Twins and Tigers. I mean, obviously, most heartbreaking game ever for me was that game one sixty three. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best ever for you. Um, <laughs> just absolutely heartbreaking. But uh, I, I've always kind of I, I always see the Twins as kind of the biggest threat, no matter where things are. The Twins are the one team that kind of fires me up. There aren't many in the division like Cleveland. They've picked on the Tigers before when they've been bad and, the, and Cleveland's been good. I never really cared that much. Casey, even when they were, you know, back to back World Series, I kind of rooted for them. I liked them. They were succeeding. And then, um, who's the other team I'm forgetting in the, oh, the White, White Sox. Sox. Uh, White Sox too, cause I didn't really like Hawk. <laughs> uh, I was not a big Hawk guy. Yeah. So he kind of fueled my anger toward them, but they had a lot of, like Frank Thomas was legitimately my favorite t- non-Tiger growing up. So I always had at least a little tinge of, not not non-hate for them it was always the twins i just the baggy the freaking uh homer dome i i got i got no love for the twins i'm sorry uh like, yeah i mean they were like the little piranhas they i mean that was their nickname so yeah absolutely like, and like the fact that like nick punto was instrumental in that game too and he's just like the worst <laughs> oh man it's, it's it's rough i love some of y'all's players i love byron bucks and i root, root for him big time uh, a handful of others Kirilov. But as a team, that's the one in the division as a Tigers fan that I'm like, like I just, I, I don't mess with them. <laughs> you know what? Like maybe one time we'll have to do down the road. We'll have to do like an AL Central like throwback episode. We'll just talk I, about. I love it. Talk about like the, the 10, 15 years ago teams. Like <laughs> those were when the rivalries were really, really good. Absolutely. I, like they're, they're, these two teams, like they, they got some, they got some bad blood for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, Marty, let's stay with the Tigers theme. Well, obviously you're a Tigers fan too. Give us a hitter that you're looking at that you think is a love at his ADP. Um, that has to be on the Tigers or just one of mine, just in general. I was just saying because you're a Tigers fan, that's how I was going to connect it. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm starting with Cabrian Hayes. So his ADP is 140. He's the 11th third baseman off the board. So last year in TGFBI, I drafted Cabrian Hayes in the 12th round at pick 132. So he's pretty much the exact same ADP, and I love it just as much. So Hayes has the real, the rare ability to hit 20 plus home runs with 15 plus steals. And outside of, outside of Mondesi, he should lead all third basemen in steals. Yes, more than Jose Ramirez. I'm calling it right now. Wow. So, yeah. Without, without it, if he stays healthy, there's no reason not to. He's going to be batting second or third in that lineup. There's not much behind him outside of Reynolds. So he's going to have to do as much as he can. I know last year he only hit six home runs. He only batted two fifty seven, but he was hurt. You know, yeah, and, he's not that player, you know? right? You know, and he really he hurt his wrist. Um, anyone who I'm coming off a wrist injury myself, dude, you don't get that strength back for a long time. Like you need months to heal. So he's gonna have a full um, off season to be able to get this going. And even though he didn't do that good last year, he still had nine stolen bases. So I could easily see him, you know, hitting 20 home runs, getting 25 stolen bases, and really just blowing out his ADP. So I absolutely love where he's at right now. All right. So DJ LeMayhew is the next third baseman that's above him. Would you take Cabrian or DJ LeMayhew? Oh, I, I don't want DJ LeMayhew at all. Nothing. There's nothing about that profile that looks that great. Um, you know, maybe maybe he'll hit two 280. That's what we're hoping for. No stolen mm-hmm. bases, barely double-digit home runs. I'm good. I actually think LeMahieu can get back. Um, it it doesn't change my answer though. I still think Hayes as well, and the speed component could be eye opening for a lot of folks. I don't know if he's seen as enough of a, a, a potential base stealer as Cabrian Hayes actually is. He'll be twenty five. 
Like he can put up a 25 steal season, like pretty easily, to be honest. Like he has that kind of talent. Uh, we have not seen anywhere near the best of him. Uh, the market has not completely quit him, partly because third base isn't very good. But at pick 140, yeah, I would take that all day. I, I, I like him quite a bit. I could range as high as the early 100s for, for Cabrian Hayes just to ensure that I got him. And I still feel like I'm, I'm getting something there. I'm not overpaying. Yeah. And, and you guys talked about the stolen base upside. He had, did have 27 steals in when he was in single A ball in 2017. He's so, fast. Like he's legitimately fast. Yeah. Brian Hayes is. Hey, he's a he's a top tier athlete, you know. Mm-hmm. So to see him go down so so quickly with an injury was pretty brutal. But um, next year he should be good to go. I like it, Doc. Who's a player that you love, hitter wise? Uh, so for me, I love Jake Cronenworth at pick one fifteen, and I'm kind of basing this off of what I've seen in fantasy football and fantasy basketball with just the amount of COVID cases coming up is you need someone that has positional flexibility. And at first, second, and short, you can plug him in almost anywhere in the infield. We were worried about his playing time last year. Is he going to be in a platoon? They have Yerkson Profar. They have Will Myers. Well, he played 152 out of the 162 games, and most of the time missed came with a broken finger at the end of the season. And he's going to give you a little bit of everything. He had 21 homers, 71 RBIs, 266 average. Now, I know there is some worry about him only having four stolen bases, I look at the year before when he had three and 54 games and he had seven triples last year. So the speed is there. Like you're not a slow guy and have seven triples. So I think hopefully with Bob Melvin, he's a little bit more aggressive on the base pass. I don't like that he was four of seven. So I think he needs a little bit of better discipline on the base paths, but he's 27. I think there's upside there and I think he's locked in for an everyday role. Yeah. I think the biggest lesson I learned from last year, everybody has like, what's your biggest lesson learned? You draft players with over talent, over opportunity, because eventually injuries can play a factor. Player exceeds expectations where they'll make sure that their bat gets in the lineup. You can get these guys at dips because of the, the lack of opportunity. And yeah, I mean, I, from what I remember, Cronenworth didn't really suffer much playing time concerns because he produced when he was in there and then injuries took over to where, like you said, it didn't really matter. Thinking of the Dodgers last year too, and they had eight starting pitchers. And for five spots, and, and a lot of the, the guys that weren't guaranteed locks were slipping for that reason, but then injuries pop up, and these guys are giving you a lot more innings than you were expecting. So it's it's one of those things that, yeah, you're buying the talent here, and you know the opportunity will take care of itself. So I like skills, not roles. You know, it's, it's an adage mm-hmm. in fantasy that, that makes a lot of sense, particularly when there's like a sharp difference too, right? Obviously, if a guy has a role and his backup that you might like is basically the same player, uh, that's not necessarily the same thing, but when somebody is more talented, uh, I think you just go for that. Cronenworth, yeah, there were some concerns, and it was based on people thinking Ha Seung Kim was going to come in and be a stud. I actually liked Kim, uh, but it didn't take me off of Cronenworth at all. I actually liked Kim on the bounce back this year, too, after the disastrous debut. But I love Crony, man. That's my guy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll randomly plug Rotoware's shirt for him, too, because it's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> What's the shirt for? What's it, it, it It's... Um, get it actually uh, oh, you have it with you yeah it's like right over there i'll go get it you guys you guys talk about something and I'll okay get it. all right else uh cheesecake why don't you give us your hitter while he's going to get the shirt yeah um <clears throat> excuse me i uh i didn't go uh with someone who's being drafted late i actually went with a guy who's being drafted quite high tyler o'neill currently the 46th player off the board at a 49 abp adp sorry 26 years old Put together his first full season uh, last season, 
and had a fan- phenomenal season, 286, 34 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Now, there's a lo- there are some concerns with O'Neill. Oh, uh, his, his, his strikeout rate is high. Um, and But this uh, O'Neill is the type of uh, person who, who has consistently put up high BABIPs, 364, 386, 366 with a 189 sprinkled in there in a, in a subpar 2020. But um, one thing that you that I really like about O'Neill is that O'Neill has a 90, 98 percentile sprint speed, and uh, and the Cardinals are an organization that likes to run. They were sixth in stolen bases last year. O'Neill put together thirty four home runs, fifteen stolen bases, only five hundred thirty seven plate appearances last year. He had a couple of nagging injuries, little little injuries, nothing nothing concerning. Uh, one was COVID. One was uh, one was actually like. Getting injured, sliding into to a base, a vaccination issue. Um, given him 600 plate appearances, I think he could be looking at easy 20 st- stolen bases. His his speed is there. The Cardinals like to run. They have a new manager this year, but it's a manager they've been grooming for a while. He's well versed in what the uh, the organization does. So I think that their Steel's profile as a as an organization is not going to change very much. So I really like O'Neill's power speed profile. I don't think he's going to hit 286, but I think if he hits 250, 260 with 30, 20, I think that's a really valuable season going in the third, fourth round. Well, I actually have him as my player I hate. And before uh, me, I, me too. I, I, <laughs> do you really? Uh, did we oh, switch to guys we hate? <laughs> you know what? Let's both tell. I want to see the shirt first, and then we can both Oh, yeah. Our- so here's the shirt. It's in the form of uh, uh, you young folks. There was a guy named Dr. Dre, and he came out with a really <laughs> uh, pivotal album called Chronic, and it was amazing. And that, that's what this is based off of. The, that shirt, that shirt slaps. It. it really does slap. Had you guys never heard anybody say that? And that's why you keep associating with me. Yeah, we, and you were the first. I've, 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 I've heard it before, but you're the most famous person I've heard using. Okay. <laughs> no, I picked about, it up from some random random kids on Twitch. Let's be honest. Slap in the Fantano says it all the time. Yeah, exactly. The shirt's really dope, though. It's a, it's an amazing shirt, and uh, yeah, if you like. Cronenworth and West Coast rap. I mean, it's, it's kind of literally the perfect shirt. But, uh, yeah, I, I came back and I, I didn't want to interrupt you while you were saying it, but I wanted to say, do we talk about, are we talking about players we hate? Cause I, I'm here with my negative. Yay! Yeah. You know what? I, I'm sure we might have similar points. I'll let you go ahead. Why do you hate him? And then I'll add on anything that, uh, I mean, I'm getting real. Domingo Santana Stevens vibes. Oh, 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 Paul, that's, that's from the top rope. Go look at the breakout seasons that they had. There's a lot of familiarities there. Uh, similarities, I should say. There are some positive aspects, and, and Cheesecake highlighted them with the power and speed. The raw skills are there. It's weird. This all this always comes down to price, right? And, and mm-hmm. Listen, it's fun because if he beasts, Cheesecake gets to dunk on us and be like, see, he's good. And that's fine. That's kind of part of the show of what we do in fantasy. It's not that I don't like the player. It's not that I don't even think he could go 30-30. Like he, of course he can. He has the skill, but we're betting, right? And, and we're trying to bet uh, with the prices that are in front of us. And at that price, I can't pay full price for a profile like this. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always going to be let me find the next Tyler O'Neill. I wrote him up in the forecaster last year mm-hmm. and actually pumped him up a bit. Humble brag there. Actually, just a brag bag. There's nothing humble about that. <laughs> I literally just said I was on that. I had no idea it'd be that good. And honestly, truth be told, Brent Hershey, the editor, my editor over there, had to tell me to be uh to look deeper he wasn't really satisfied with the fact that i was clowning all over him he's like you need to look at these raw skills so i got to give him the credit on that right up there anyway but 
I just don't like to pay high, high, uh, full price for these sorts of profiles because mm-hmm. they are so volatile. If he puts up like a, a, a 25, 10 season, uh, hitting 228, would it really surprise anybody? I, I don't think so. And I don't even know if no. it would surprise you necessarily, Cheesecake. So it's a matter of being comfortable with that price mm-hmm. point. You are, and that's okay because a lot of people are going to be. He is a hot commodity in the market. But I think David and I are just going to be a little bit more risk averse on it. And I would imagine, I don't want to speak for him, but a lot of it due to the fact of the volatility of that strikeout and walk rate. Just Absolutely. it breeds so much volatility with guys. Part of the reason why I'm not super keen on Javi Baez as a Tiger because of how that profile usually ages. In O'Neill's case, at least he's 27. But like I said, I did get a lot of Souza and Santana vibes, and they both broke out in 2017. Go check out those seasons compared mm-hmm. to O'Neill and tell me you don't see some similarities. Right down to the injury history that those two guys shared. And then uh, O'Neill has as well. Yeah, the injury thing is, I think, a big deal. Also, just a couple of things. You brought the, you know, that strikeout rate. 31.3% was bottom 4% of the league last year. And he had an over 40% whiff percentage on both breaking balls and off-speed pitches. So, I mean, there's just a lot of scary stuff inside that profile where you're like, hey, he's just going to be a big boomer bust player at the plate, it seems like. Inside mm-hmm. the top 50 picks. And, uh, you know, another thing, too. He had a 26.2 home run to fly ball rate last year, which to me is way higher than his last two seasons before that. It doesn't seem very sustainable either. So I think there's, I mean, there's no denying he's a beast. He Mm -hmm. had an elite barrel percentage, hard hit percentages, exit velocities. I mean, you look at his page, it would make a a bull angry. There's so much red. Like, Like, let's be honest. But at the end of the day, it's like, like Paul said, it's like at what price you have to pay for it. Like if he was down, you know, you know, 20 or 30 more picks that I would probably be a little bit more interested, but in the side, the top 50, I just, I don't think I can do it. That's, that's where I'm, I mean, if I may counter, I think that one thing that you'll look is the Babbitt's going to, is going to be helped by his sprint speed. He's going to be true. able to leg mm-hmm. out a lot more hits than, than the guys who have that other high strikeout profile and he hits the ball very hard. Mm-hmm. So, so that, um, so that home run fly ball ratio, it might be just a skill that he has. And, I'm, and, and again, I'm thinking if he's 28, 29, I'm thinking the skills are going to start slipping. He's not going to be on my list. This might be the only year that I'm a big fan of his. And I'm only a fan of his because you're not going to get that type of a profile very often after he's gone. So that's my Especially with the speed upside. And and Mm -hmm. I get that. And again, I think it's it's just uh, everyone's individual volatility index. And I'm not afraid to take volatile players too, right? Because people can say, well, you take Buxton and Mondesi and things. Like, what are you off on O'Neal for? And it's like, well, again, those comps kind of jump out to me. They're not perfect, but they there are similarities. And I think the Souza one even more so, not just because they're both white, but um, <laughs> the the injury, the athleticism that Souza had. Like, I, I just think that they look pretty similar there. And we saw what happened. Of course, Sousa, a lot of it was injury. So if O'Neill stays healthy, all bets are kind of off. That's just a big part of what I can't guarantee myself and why I don't want to pay the big price. Yeah, and like Christian mentions in the chat here too, I mean, maybe you could move Edmund to the outfield too. O'Neill struggles going Gorman. True. They do say his ETA could be this year. He, I mean, he's in AAA right now. So, you know, we could see what happens with that. But uh, I love these discussions. And I know we took a little long on that. So I'll be quick with my guy that I love. And that's Bobby Witt. I don't think Paul, especially I know I've talked with these guys before. I don't think he's high enough. I think he's still a bargain where he's going. And I know like the prospect history of like guys, you know, you you see, you know, the the Vlads, you see 
you know, the last year, Jared Kelnick, like these yep. guys get hyped up. But, but those guys don't impact him. And that's, you know, like some people get worried by things like that. Each player needs to be assessed individually, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, so I totally, I totally understand that. But you're willing to pay this, this big price sight unseen? Yes, because I do think, I mean, this part's the optimistic part. I do think the CBA gets something figured out where he's not going to be held down with service time. He's going to start the year in the big leagues. At worst case, he's in there in the first month. And I remember I heard this on MLB Network uh, sometime early last year. Mm-hmm. And they said, I don't remember which analyst it was on MLB Network, but they said he's going to be the Patrick Mahomes of baseball in terms of the impact he's going to have on the league, like the superstardom he's going to have. And he's going to elevate the Kansas City Royals to become one of the most watched teams. And that's going to start their rise up to the top. Like he's going to have that type of impact. He's a, you know, he dominated double A AA and triple A, 293, 61, 575 slash 33 homers, 29 steals, baseball America's minor league player of the year. I mean, he's a potential 30, 30 guy, maybe not his rookie year. I think he could still, I mean, I think Steamer has him at 24 and 18, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, he could within a year or two get to 30, 30. And I, I mean, what you look at everything in his profile too, even just like his strikeout rate too. Like his K rate last year went from twenty four percent two years ago to twenty two and a half last season. Like he's he's seeing the ball better. I remember actually I heard someone bring up, I forgot where I heard it, but they said he actually faced Julio uh, Rias before, and that they oh, said nice. that and that he like he worked it to a full count when they when they matched up against each other. I I didn't hear what the result of the at bat was, but they said. Took it to a full count. It was like an eight or nine pitch at bat. Looked like he belonged to face that type of competition. I, I do think that if you find out Bobby Wood Jr. expected to break camp, be the Royals starting shortstop, that ADP is going to shoot up. It and will, I think for sure. Yes. And I think that right now getting him near pick 100, a, a guy with that much potential steals in his profile, especially if you don't get steals earlier in the draft, I mean, I think it's, there's 20 stolen bases there, like as a floor for him this year with how much the Royals like to run, especially too. So Dude, I, I think it's where's fantastic. Where's he going to play? Uh, I mean, didn't they say Alberto Montes a, a, a part-time player? I mean, well, they're, they're like trying to protect his health. Yeah. But I mean, Nicky Lopez kind of broke out last year. Are you moving with off his position immediately? I mean, he can play the outfield. Uh, with Bobby Witt, I should say. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm they, they, no, no, they, no, they have another Witt. Uh, yeah, and that's why I, I wanted to clarify there. So they could put, they could put Merrifield in the outfield. Um, and then, you know, you have like a third base open or second base open, depending on where you put Mondesi. But I guess you are moving Bobby Witt off of his position immediately. For me, like in a draft and hold, completely different consideration. I, I, I'm not averse to taking him. In like a main event situation though, where I have to hold him until he comes up, mm-hmm. that's the part that would that would make me a bit nervous, sight unseen. We have some lack of clarity with the CBA and what it might do for players. I totally understand that point, um, and there is a lot of upside, but I'm I'm a little nervous. I don't hate I don't hate his ADP. He's not on my hate list, but mm-hmm. he is uh, somebody that I've been a little bit nervous from being a top 100 pick already, just because of the uncertainty of when he's going to be up. Now, David, my new drinking game for you is every time you say, I forgot who said this on MLB Network, but Bobby Wood's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. I've said, it like, is, I've said it like two or three times. Like, it's yeah, and, and it's been two or three weeks in a row. So I'm going to tally yeah. it up at the end of the season, and that's how many shots I'm going to take. Fair enough. Live, uh, live on air. The, bar, the one thing I will say, so, so Paul, if, if tomorrow the Royals announce Bobby Witt's starting 
with the Royals from day one. He's going to break camp as our starting third baseman or whatever they say. Where do you think his ADP goes to? Uh, top 50. Yeah. For I, sure. That's what Probably I was thinking. He starts too. Getting, drafted, getting drafted around Tim Anderson, Trevor Story, which is top 40. That's, That's why I think where he'd start to go. I really do think that's that I fair, get but I guess to, yeah. for me, I would say like, what's the likelihood that that is going to happen? You think it's higher? I'm not sure if it is, and that's kind of the calculus that we're doing. But again, in a draft and hold, like I think people get really hung up in like a 50 round league of I take my my starting roster in order and then all reserved. It's like no. I'm going to take Bobby Witt. Like, it, it's hard. It's a hard mindset to get into, but right. when you're doing a 50-round draft and hold, it's for the full season. So, yes, you have to pay pick 100 for him or 95 for him right now, but when he comes up, he should be like a top you know, 100 guy from that point forward, and you're just kind of taking that gamble right there. I think people have a tr- trouble con- conceptualizing the entire season when they're doing a 50-round draft and hold. Instead of just drafting the best players, they want to draft their team in roster order, starters, and then re- uh, reserves. No, that makes sense. And I think the best part about this is... I think it's a mistake, is, by the way, is what I'm saying. You said you, you do think... I, I think that's a mistake to do that. To oh, okay. get so bogged down in having to draft your starting roster first, you, you should be open to taking guys like Bobby Wake Jr. in draft and holds a lot more. Like I could be so you've kind of swayed me a bit on taking him in a 50 round draft and hold right now because of the upside, but in like a online championship right now or a main event, I know they're not right. drafting right now, but if they did with the news we have today, I could never pay a hundred for that. Could you do that in a league where you only have your seven reserves and, and like an NFBC main event? Would you still pay pick 100 for him with the news that we have right now? I think it would kind of depend on how my roster is starting to shape up as I go. If okay. I like, if I see in the beginning that I'm lacking steals, that he could be a guy that I, I would take a shot on because there's not many guys that could steal 30 bases. That, what if that you already have, have a great shortstop and then you're putting him at mid, so you're putting less pressure on him to be your guy? Would, would that, if you got Trey Turner, if you got the first pick, would you be bumping with up or down? Because he's giving I, I, you steals, but you need a lot of steals. Sorry, I keep yeah. adding parts to it. Answer, you can answer. No, no. Like if I have, if I get Trey Turner, then I'm 100 percent not going to reach for him. Like that's okay. that's a fact. I, I think it's in those types of of leagues, it's going to depend on how my roster is shaping up, and I would take him more aggressively if I'm like, you know what, like, dang, like I'm looking at my team, like I missed out on all the guys that have five category players. I'm not, you know, going to wait and try to take like a mile straw. Like I, I want a guy that that you know. I'm not going to rely yeah, on players so, like that. Like, yeah. So I don't like I, I either. I'm not, I'm not a huge rabbit fan. Uh, Justin yeah. and I were talking about him the other day on on the pod, and he did point out, you know, he hit for a pretty decent average and scored some runs or whatever. So he's not completely empty, um, but when we say empty speed, I think we're talking mostly about the lack of power from somebody like Straw. But there is there are fits for him in the fantasy realm. I'm yeah. just not a huge fan person. But anyway, good talk on Win. I think you swayed me a little bit. Oh man! Well, hopefully we don't draft together and you take him from me. That would well. And I definitely will have to be looking. <laughs> I hope we get put in the same. I'm gonna have to do a main event this year. I've been putting it off for a little bit, but we'll love you another talk another time. Uh, really quick, Marty, Doc, and, and Cheesecake. We kind of talked about the players. Both Paul and I were out on Tyler O'Neill. So, Marty, real quick, why don't you give us a hitter that you don't like at very deep? Yeah, so I'm going to have to go with Mr. Salvador Perez. And it's less to do with how amazing he was, but here's here's the thing. So he's going currently thir- basically 32, 33 overall. 
So it's is, this, is this negative that we're on? I'm sorry. Yeah, the negative hitters. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was making sure that that we were on negative yeah. hitters. I didn't want to use the word hate, Paul. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. 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 Because <laughs> we don't. You know. Again. It, yeah, it, it, right. It gets framed that way when you say anything negative about something. Oh, you hate him. It's like, no, yeah. I like the price. Yeah, at his EDP. So, yeah, so it's it's 32.60. So, and that's right at the beginning of the third round. And at this point, I just cannot justify drafting a catcher, which is the most brutal position. I know he's an Ironman. I know he plays mm-hmm. almost every day, and they're going to DH him and get him into the lineup as much as possible. He, he will have the most played appearances of any catcher. I know this, unless he gets hurt. But at that point, you're betting on him to have a better season than Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez. Uh, you're passing up on Cedric Mullins, all those steals, Starling Marte, Whit Merrifield. I just can't invest in a catcher that early. You know, if he was going in the fifth round where JT Real Muto is going now, I would feel a lot more comfortable with it. But in those first three, four rounds, I need to get elite pitching and solidify five category contributors. That makes sense. This is just like uh, this is not like a pushback to what you're saying. More of like a uh, an add on, I think, to to clarify it a little bit. Because I don't really like I don't like Sal Perez at that price either. But you mentioned that like he has to have a better season than than Alvarez and Judge because uh, he's you know he's being drafted before them. Yep. It, it, he doesn't necessarily have to outdo them because what he does at catcher is an advantage that True. you're getting over other people. So your point is still well taken. But um, I just want to be clear that like he doesn't have to reach their heights to still be super valuable because of the advantage he gives you at catcher. No, you're absolutely right. But we're, I think most of this, we're, we're gambling and betting that he's going to have the same year that he had last year. Exactly. No, and I'm not doing it. No shot. So yeah. I'm a thousand percent with you on the point. Yeah. I just wanted to give that little caveat about catcher performance. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a very good point, Paul, because I mean, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But I know his advantage over was JT number two last year. I, uh, I can't. So, so like the, the difference between it. them, yeah, was pretty gigantic. So if you have that type of advantage at the catcher position, it is. And then think about all the guys that are getting mediocre or scrub catchers. The advantage you mm-hmm. have over them, even yeah. if they got Judge, and you got. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Catch, yeah, we're looking at two catcher leagues, so there's a huge, yeah. huge difference from him all the way to your thirtieth catcher. I mean, it's, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I get it, but but it's still too pricey for me too. So I'm I'm a thousand percent with you there. One foul ball concussion. He's out for yep. a month. Uh, Will Smith was number two, and on the on the Fangraphs auction calculator, Sal Perez earned thirty seven dollars. I'm rounding thirty six point eight, and Will Smith and Real Muto tied for nineteen. Wow, so he was almost twenty dollars better than. I mean, this is the like sickest season. So like I get it. These people just can't get away from the fact that he was forty eight one twenty one. That's a career year. He's not like there's just nothing that should reasonably make you think he's going to do that again. Like the, the there's just nothing, and so it was a dream season. It was amazing. He played 161 games. I love it, but I don't get any of those numbers next year. So yep, I, you couldn't you couldn't pay me to pay for Sal Perez. I agree. You're, you, it's constant thing. You see a guy like have a monster season, then you pay for last season's production. Yep, and it's something you definitely have to make sure. That you don't do if you're not comfortable with the, I mean, some people might be as high. I'm sure people get Sal Perez here. Let's see. The average, let's see, the men, 40, is it the fin? Uh, the max is 40, let's see. Seven and men yeah. was 13. 13? 13. Who took a at 13? Like, what? Whoa. If you just want to burn money, I'll give you my PayPal. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. There's just no justification for that. Holy crap. 13. I would oh. take 
if I was going to do catcher in the first round for some reason, I'd take Real Muto first still. Even coming off of a May, I'm just saying, in the world where I take catcher first round, which mm-hmm. there is no world where that should happen, I would still take Real Muto first because he runs. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he's actually due for a bounce back season compared yeah, to what he had last year, too. Um, all right, uh, Doc, give us yours real quick here. Uh, so for me, it's Shohei Otani. It's seven. Um, I you're talking about Shohei Otani, obviously, like for hitting, of course, for, like for, for hitting. Um, yeah. and, and I do. So last year, he played 155 games, 46 homers, 100 RBIs, 26 stolen bases. Now from 2018 to 2020, he played 244 games, 89 more. He had 47 home runs, so one more, 147 RBIs, so 47 more, and 29 stolen bases, so three more. Now, I know his barrel percentage, his hard hit percentage, his launch angle went up. I'm looking at the three-year sample size prior to last year and thinking that that's a little bit of an anomaly. He's a career 264 hitter and a career 28.1% K rate. Now, this is where I'm going to just tie in a little pitching to why I can't get behind the value in hitting. I don't trust how the Angels are going to manage him. So in terms of pitching, on September 16th of 2021, they said that he had soreness in his throwing arm and they were considering shutting him down. Now, at this point, they're basically eliminated from playoffs. He then pitches 15 innings. He goes eight innings versus Oakland, seven innings versus Seattle. Oh, granted, he gives up three earned in those. So he, he showed his dominance as a pitcher, but he threw 200 to, 220 total pitches. Someone that has Tommy John surgery where you're eliminated from the playoffs, why are you putting them out there to pitch? I don't, I don't trust management and how they're going to handle him. I worry about an overuse injury. I worry about last year being an outlier. And at seven, like Paul said, you're chasing last year's stats. Yeah, it's he's an interesting player. Uh, obviously, depending on your format, some play, some leagues you can only play him as one or the other. In other yeah. leagues, you can play him as both. So if you play him as both, obviously that's why you can you'll take him so high. I do think to expect what we saw last year where you saw a guy pitch to the ERA he pitched at, the K percentage he had, just how dominant he looked on the mound and then dominance he was as a hitter. I don't think we can, we'll ever see that again. And uh I don't Maybe know how not, but you, I think are you more optimistic? Yeah, I think he's like the second or third best player in the league, if not the very best. So 46-26, probably not. But, um, I mean, 35, 20, I think, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to bet on that. Um, even with the 257 average, I would take that. See, the beauty, the reason I like Otani, and we'll say for these drafts, the draft, uh, that we're doing here, the, the draft data is from NFBC, which they allow you to pick each week, whether he's a starter or mm-hmm. a hitter. And then, um, that's it. You can't change because you can change hitters. Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, like you can, there's two different periods, but he can't go from hitter to pitcher. So once you choose, that's what he is. But for me, worst case, I have an elite hitter. And then if for some reason I draft really well in hitting and I don't need his impact as much, I can then throw him in and get some quality innings. I just think the upside is substantial. It is a big price to pay. You're right. You are paying for last year because he's the number six player last year. And now you have to pay first round. But I think he is, I think he is a unicorn. He's one of those players that uh, has ascended to the first round. He teased and tantalized for a few years and he belongs there. So uh, a little bit of pushback there that I, I would, I'm open to it. I'll, I'll take Otani. So yeah. I, 
Yeah, I was going to say real quick, Steamer projects in for 39 and 24 next year. Oof. That's wow. that's a little rich. I mean, considering his career high in homers for a season is 22, the steals is 12. Well, that's only that's only because of the playing time, though, right? 114 and 106 cool. games. Part of that's yeah. injury. And I'll. I was going to say. I was going to say the durability is part of what bothers me as well. Um, just because you're banking that he's going to be an everyday role. If they have him pitch and he has a no sore doubt. arm, um, I, I think high 20s. You know, 29 homers, 18 stolen bases. But I'd rather just have someone that I know is going to be proven at one position and lock it up and not even have to worry about, am I going to have him as a pitcher or a hitter that week? I I think that just provides a little bit more stress when your first pick, as Clegg said last week, you can lose your draft with the first pick. You want to make sure that you're getting someone a little safe. You can't. I would push back on that. I don't believe (laughs) you can punt your first pick and and still win your league. You You could purposely, you could purposely misdraft it. Like, pick like the 900th pick player and you can still win a league i i don't agree i i the phrase we've all said i've said it before i no longer uh, uh subscribe to that what the only thing i will say uh to one point that you said then i'm sorry i'm making all these take for no this is great no, you're good it. yeah um you said two things there one i love and one i would give a little bit of pushback on one about you say you want something a little bit more certain that certainty doesn't exist i think we take the uncertainty of other players and allow it to push up the certainty on others. And I don't think that exists. And I think last year's first round really showed that as everybody took a fall, all of the most stable, best guys. And so many of them were hitters too. Hitters we usually think are more uh, bankable. And that, that was proven not to be the case. Anybody can get hurt. It's about the chances, the high likelihood of being hurt. And he has a higher likelihood than uh, average, right? We know that for all time. So I'm not pushing back on his injury concern. I'm just pushing back on the idea that there's a lot of certainty anywhere. One thing you did say, though, that I really, really subscribe to and I totally agree with. You said you don't want to deal with the hassle of deciding every week on him. Draft the players that best fit your management style. Don't fit around peg square hole type deal. Take a bunch of guys that you don't know how to manage the best way that, that you can get the maximized value out of them. Take the guys that you're comfortable with. Take the team builds that you're comfortable with. I don't like rabbits. I don't, I don't think I draft the teams that fit in a guy. And a rabbit is just a, a mile straw, Billy Hamilton, all speed, no power. I don't like those player types. So I don't draft them. So you don't want to deal with this back and forth with the injury concern and, and will he get hurt pitching and it'll cost them the hitting? Uh, then don't draft him. That's totally, totally fine. I just think there's more certainty in him than most people are, are saying compared to the rest of the pool. Everyone's a risk. If you're playing, you're at substantial risk to get hurt. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's going to be very interesting to see because right now, obviously, as we can see on the screen, He's got a, a min pick of one, so someone felt yeah. comfortable taking with the first pick, and then multiple another, people, I, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a multi-time number one, and then he's gone outside the first round, so kind of a, an interesting range. I personally probably like I, I might be a little bit more towards Doc in the sense that I don't know if I'm comfortable taking him with my first round pick. Definitely, if if I got him at 16, I would take him for sure. Um, yeah, but, that'd be huge. Um. But yeah, I, I think like in the top, like, you know, you see how these guys are ranked. I would rather take these, especially the top five guys ahead of him, you know, potentially like, you know, if you, you like Bryce Harper, because you know, you know, he seems like he's more stable offensively for production. Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns, if you want a pitcher, I, I think I'd probably start looking at maybe like the, the nine, 10 range, maybe where I would start considering him. And, you know, someone like Ronald Acuna could potentially, 
you know, within another month or two, he could shoot up in this range too. So, um, you know, we'll to see. Is, how there, that is there any chance Acuna starts the season? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I'm seeing those videos and you just, I know it's a different sport, but Cam Akers just came back after six months from an Achilles. The athletes today are just insane. I wouldn't be shocked wait, wait, if they got crazy to, drugs not, in the NFL. Not, yeah, not to, not to pull a Paul, but here's my caveat: if the season doesn't start on time, maybe he starts it. That's a good point, though. Too. I mean, I don't. I'm not too terribly concerned about this lockout bleeding into the season necessarily, but it's it's a factor. It's it's out there at least. But I think these stupid idiots will at least get it done. <laughs> They're so dumb. Cheesecake, give us the last hitter, and then we'll do we'll do pitchers. I don't want to keep Paul all night, but we'll we'll do pitchers. It's my own fault. Talking, I take I take forever. No, I, I love talking and having. I just feel bad. Uh, no, it's no problem. Um, I my one of my favorite players in all of baseballs, multi-hit wit wit Merrifield. Currently, the twenty seventh player off the board, thirty ADP. For me, I just think that at this point, that's a bit high for him. Uh, last season, Witt led the uh, led the majors in the stolen bases. He went forty for forty four. That's a ninety one percent success rate. His career is a seventy eight percent success rate on stolen bases. He still has the speed, but uh, you know his last full season before twenty twenty one, he only stole twenty bases. I don't think he's a consistent. I mean, he's a consistent guy for steals, but I don't think you're going to be bank getting forty next year. I, you might say thirty, but I also have concerns about his power. His power is, ne- is starting to slip a little bit. He's 33. He's past his prime. Look, he had 10 home runs last year. One was an inside-the-park home run. Seven of them were pulled basically right down the line. Uh, and he's a good enough hitter to turn on those pitches. I just think you can't necessarily say he's going to be pulling you know, 10, 12 home runs next year. He only did it. He only hit 10 last year, and one of them, like I said, is an inside-the-park. You could be looking at a guy who has eight home runs, 25, 30 steals. And that's not going to be worth your uh, your thirtieth pick for me. I love Wit. I think that the Royals are going to run, but I don't necessarily think he's going to return that value that you hope to get in the second or third round. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, again, the steals I think are the really appealing part of his profile. Obviously, the power batting average is decent too, but uh, yeah, it's very rich price to pay. Let's move to now the pitchers, which is always fun to talk about, and Paul. Give us a pitcher that you love their ADP right now. Oh, I love, I'll tell you who I love. I love Zach Gallon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. I love Boy, it. I'm, I'm going to flex again. I'm going to flex forecaster. This year's forecaster because I Ooh, wrote him up. Yeah. So I'll Definitely. just go ahead and uh, and talk about that a little bit because that kind of crystallizes my thoughts yeah. very we, well. Here we go. What's that? A little story time. Yeah, just, just, a, just a little quick little yeah. read here. It's just a little blurb. Because uh, I wrote up Zach Gallon, and I, I came away very, very impressed. I was very happy with what I saw. I said April injury, and then I put forearm in parentheses, uh, identifying what it was. It was the first half harbinger as two more followed, elbow and hamstring, and bred volatility. The swing strike rate dip didn't hurt the strikeout rate, and he rallied down the stretch with a 319 ERA, 113 whip in 48 innings to salvage the season. Still a bright future thanks to a deep arsenal, neutral platoon, and a ground ball lean that lays a steady foundation. If healthy, 200 strikeouts. Um, this guy's a stud still. I, I, I understand why his price is lower because of what happened last year. And we're, we're so captivated by the most recent year. It, it's just part of the game that we play. It, it, it can't not happen because the default rankings are based on last year and that leads people to draft players differently. 
uh, are, are more in line with how they went last year, and that's just how it goes. But coming into last year, everyone loved Gallon except for the health piece. Uh, but people still wanted to love him because of how great he was in 19 and 20. He's still that guy. I don't really mm-hmm. see that guy going away. I feel like it was a little bit of an injury-hampered season. This is what uh, you know downside looks like. When we say, I'll take 80% of so-and-so, 85% of so-and-so, that's what this looks like. Uh, you'd still take 85% of Gallon uh, over 100% of uh, you know Jay Happ or something. I don't know throwing strays at, at random guys. I, I know he was kind of decent down the stretch. But, you know, that's what this looks like. 430 ERA, 129 whip, but still 27% strikeout rate. He's 26. Pitching in Arizona is pretty nice. Yeah, you got to go to Colorado and you have to face the Dodgers and Giants, which isn't great. Uh, and Padres. And it's not an easy division, but I'm not too worried about him. And Matt, he's matchup proof as far as I'm concerned. I love Zach Gallon. Are you okay drafting a snitch? Wait, wait, what happened? What did he snitch on? Uh, so last season, he strongly suggested that the Marlins, when he was with them, taught their pitchers the benefit of using illegal substances when Mike Hill was their GM. Bob Nightingale tweeted it in like June or something. Um, so he's known as a snitch in the MLB. I'm fine with that. I don't Okay. I, I just want to, you know, <laughs> yeah. reputation comes into it at some point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm more inclined to like, uh, not draft people that are like bad dudes off the field, which I don't, I don't even have a strong stance there. Like I, I can't say I'm a hundred percent. Like I've had a oldest Chapman on team. So I'm not looking down my nose at people that take bad dudes, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't care about it. I don't care about Mike Fires doing it either. Okay. Yeah. And I think this range is very interesting. It goes to the theory of if you want to start with a lot of bats early on, look at the four pitchers in this range. Shane Boz. You got Chris Bassett, Zach Gallen, Ian Anderson. Like, if you miss out on some starters, like, there are some guys there. Like, Zach Gallen could, I mean, would you be shocked if he was a, you know, a top 20 starter next year? Like, not at all. Like, and you're getting him to pick 140. Like, that's insane value. I I love the Zach Gallen call. This is the definition of, of buying low at this point. Like, it's insane to me that he's that low. Obviously, like you said, with the injuries and kind of, you're buying the dip right now, but no, I, I think he's my like 30th you. starter uh, in ranks and he's going on as pitcher 54, which there are relievers included there. And so I guess uh, who's the closest reliever name? I think Kimbrell, which I think would probably be about 12 relievers estimating. I wish they would separate it SPRP, but yeah. um, I, I think so. Then you could say he's probably about SP 40, early 40s. And right. I got him 30. Like, I love Gallon. He's awesome. Yeah, and uh, Curlin says you're awesome too. So, thanks, Curlin. But don't talk, don't talk anything about Docky. Keep his name off. <laughs> yeah, <your mouth>. no, <laughs> no. Curlin, Curlin probably had to type like two paragraphs and then shorten it down to that. There we go, uh, Marty. Why don't you give us? A, I, I'm feeling the love right now, Marty. Why don't you give us a hitter you love? Pitcher. A, a pitch. oh, wow. I'm, look at me. Back I got your back. Hey, thanks, Paul. That's that's why you're the, the better host of this show. No, 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 no. I'm just helping out. <laughs> go ahead, Marty. Yeah, so um, Kyle Hendricks, he's my guy. So he's 281 ADP right now. So the 281st pick off the uh, off the board, the 105th pitcher. I mean, we're seeing names like Alex Cobb around him. So obviously last year was brutal for Hendricks, and he pitched to a 4.77 ERA and had his lowest strikeout percentage, which was at 16%, his lowest strikeout percentage since his rookie year. But I have two reasons why he's going to be better. And number one, it's something I think we often forget about because we are staring at computers and stats so much is, number one, motivation. 
You know, it's not something you can measure, but some players are actually like fueled by being competitive and having something to play for. And the Cubs had absolutely nothing to play for. The front office gave away all their good players and being in on that roster, sitting there knowing that it's kind of, you would think it kind of weighed on you a little bit. And when I was looking into it, his actual, his, uh, the pitching coach, uh, for the Cubs said the exact same thing. He said, you know, motivation was a big thing for Hendricks and overall, I guess, yeah, Hendricks has this big contract, and I guess it's kind of weighed on him, weighed on him a little bit. And so that leads me to the second thing is he started believing less in his stuff, and he started looking more at different analytics. And the pitching coach said he started to lose a little bit of who he was. So I'm betting on next year that the 31 year old Hendricks is not done. He still has elite command. He, you know, he limits hard contact as much as anyone in the league. And I think he's going to come back nice and fresh, you know. Uh, he were only, what, we're only two years removed from him being, you know, one of the top 25 pitcher, you know. So um, I'm excited to see him next year. What's your beef with Alex Cobb, though? Uh, I, would I, got, prefer- I got slander Alex Cobb in the process. <laughs> I would, Alex Cobb and uh, uh, Louis Trevino, which I think, or Lou Trevino, which I think um, Doc might have a problem with. But uh, uh, You know, I don't mind the, the, the Hendricks love, but... Uh, I'm kind of in on Cobb too. I, I think oh, you know health yeah. is always it, the biggest concern with him, but going Paul, to San Francisco is nice. He stole money from the Orioles. Paul, I'll say this: this time last year, would you rather have Hendricks or Cobb? I mean, we're not even having that conversation. So I, I think we just need to, you know, just no. But we we saw a modicum of 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 some health from Cobb. You know, he threw 93 innings, 18 starts. Look good when he did. I don't know. Some things were back. I'm I'm kind of in on him as as this year's disco, Tony Disco. They fixed mm. they fixed uh, Descalfani last year. I think they can they can help Cobb. Hendricks is a good pick though. I think it is a good buy low. You know, he's one of those guys that when he was at his peak, I, I had trouble buying in because he was so expensive uh, relative to what he was doing. I was still just nervous that it was falling out. Then after like two years of it, like uh, by by sixteen. He put up two and a half years of just great work. It's like, I get it. Yeah, just put him where he's at. Uh, and then last year, you know, he was seen as one of the most reliable guys and fell apart, which was kind of what I was afraid of. But I'm not going to take a victory lap six years after something happens. Like, <laughs> that's the people that were, um, uh, that like take a victory lap on Chris Sale getting hurt finally, like eight years mm-hmm. into his career. Like, I told you, I was like, yeah, but he was the best pitcher in baseball for seven years. Where were you then? So I'm not saying that I, I knew this was going to happen to Hendricks. I had been trusting him, and then he pulled the rug out from us last year with the uh, with the home run rate soaring and the strikeout rate tumbling. Yeah, and I will add this, too. I actually did a little research on Alex Cobb. This is from Alex Pavlovich of the NBC Sports. Uh, so he said that, obviously, when well, you look at his stats, 292 FIP compared to his 376 ERA. But they said he went to driveline in 2020 and that's why you saw that he had a couple ticks on his fastball more life on his pitches his curveball was a little bit harder two seamer took off a little bit more and actually he threw his new uh, splitter 37.2 percent of the time which is actually more than kevin gosman did last yep. year he got the splitter back in check mm-hmm. and I, I think that's part of like what attracted san francisco to him too it's all about health with him and, and right. honestly at the point in the draft you should kind of judge it based on where your staff is at do you need a volume play with Hendricks, or do you need somebody like cobb who might only give you 130 innings but he, he's kind of rich hill-esque like when he pitches a lot of times it's good I know the Baltimore time wasn't great, especially 2019 when he had like three starts and put up like a 90 ERA. Um, I understand that. But a lot of Cobb, when he has a modicum of health and can get you 
20 something starts, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, they said he's also tinkering with a new curveball this offseason, a new grip on his curveball. So you never know that can unlock some more things for him there. But I do like that. The Kyle Hendricks, I mean, he's going your pick 300. That's, I mean, just for the fact that he can eat a lot of innings for you too at this point in the draft. He could be uh, a good trade option. Go to a team, get wins. Yeah. Could be. Go ahead, Doc. Why don't we stay with you? Why don't you give us a pitcher that you love? So I love Jose Arquiti at 194. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, was that really your pick? It was almost my pick. I said I just I I just pick him all the time and things like this that I decided to do something different for once. I, I mean, he's Arcadia. he's gonna, you and Eno I think are we're really glad yeah. last year. He's going to be a starter barring injury. You know, we will see Justin Verlander coming back from Tommy John. Lance McCuller is dealing with his own injury right now. They have Christian Javier coming out of the bullpen. So you know, besides Luis Garcia, there's not really a lock for the rotation. His three seasons, he's ne- never had an ERA above four. Is a 1.02 whip for his career. He doesn't walk batters, and he attacks the strike zone early, which I like. I think it shows a confidence in the stuff. 17 out of the 20 starts he had last year, he went at least four innings pitched. Um, so he's not getting chased out of the game early. There was one game where he gave up six earned runs. It was at Toronto. Obviously, they're a crazy good offense. Other than that, all the games were four or less, so he's not going to kill your ratio. Now, I know the big knock on him was the decrease in velocity from 2020 to 2021. I'm going to contribute some of that to the reoccurring shoulder soreness he had that caused him to miss over two months. I'm assuming that he's coming into 2022 with a clean bill of health. And I just love the variance in his pitch speed. So his fastball, which he threw 55% of the time last year, topped out at about 93 miles per hour. Then he threw his slider about 20% of the time. That's 79 miles per hour. His changeup was about 84 miles per hour, which he threw 18.2% of the time. And then his curve is 77. So wide, wide range of speeds. Um, and just at 194, I think that's such low value on him, especially because he's playing on a good offense. I'll hopefully get him some wins. Mm-hmm. I, I like our He did well. Yeah. You say, yeah. You, you say he, he did well. So he did well. It. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, you thank it. you, sir. Thank you. No pushback. Him up well. No, 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 no. He's great. I, I love our We have not seen his best. And Alino loves him too. The depth of Arsenal. Uh, the, the command is already there, you know, can be a little bit more fine with the home run rate, but it does, they're not damaging homers because he doesn't put anybody on base. So, yeah, I think Rikidi could still have a huge breakout here. Yeah, I like a lot of the Astros players in that rotation. I'm not talking about him this episode, but I'm, I'm a big Christian Javier guy. Me too. Yeah, I, I think he's, Listen, I mean, I think he's, can't draft a, together. You can't draft he's together. after pick 300 too. He's, he's a great value. Because he never got back in the rotation last year, which I could not fathom. I, I I was dead wrong. I kept saying Luis Garcia and Javier will flip spots. Yeah, I just kept saying it because I thought it was one billion percent going to happen to protect Garcia's innings, and because Javier had started the season in the rotation, and they just didn't do it. They got Garcia to the finish line, which hey, good for him. But like, I was really surprised. And Gar- Javier might come in as the sixth guy this year, but you know, no team just uses five starters. Right, he will get some time this year. And I think it can be a, a bigger chunk of time because Verlander, I love him and I hope he comes back big, but he's 39. McCullers is always hurt. Uh, uh, and Urquidy, as much as I love him, does have a bit of a shoulder issue. So there's mm-hmm. three guys there that could cause some, some problems there and, and open up the door for Javier. Yeah. I, I again, I, that's one of the things I've been big on this year is getting guys like him that you're getting dips because they don't necessarily have a spot locked in the rotation. So I, I mm-hmm. think you can get huge values on guys like him. Uh, now, Cheesecake, let's go ahead and give us one that you're loving. Loving, loving, loving. Well, I, I, 
I'm going away from the starters. Well, I, I wanted to first of all say the youthful Justin Verlander at 39 years old. That's what I wanted to say. He's not old. Very. Kate, Kate Upton injects youth into him. Yeah, she, absolutely. She, she gives him adrenochrome and keeps him young. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I love JV. I have a huge bias toward him, so I take everything I say with at least a little grain of salt there. But I mean, his unicorn tendencies do make me think he could come back and be a beast. And if he's throwing like 96 plus in spring. I'm yeah. taking him inside my top twenty starters. I don't care. I'm um I'm going to a relief pitcher for my guy. I'm going with Ooh. Lou Trevino. I'm going with Lou because I think that the 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 narrative that the A's are tanking is a bit overblown. Um when you look at their roster, when you look at their actual players, they are returning their start their projected starting five started one hundred and forty four games for the A's last year. That's Bassett, Manaya, Montes, Irvin, and Caprillion. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, from an 86 and 76 team, 144 starts right there. They're, they're, they're hitter. Can I, can I jump in real quick though? Yeah. Are, are you not concerned that it's like an unfinished offseason because the lockout stalled their chances to trade some of these guys? Cause didn't they say like everyone's available? Well, uh, I know that Bean said that there was there was some management uh, um, uh, reduced payroll um, uh, mandate directive, yeah, okay. mandate. Um, but uh, I, I think when you look at who they hired for for Kotze, you might think that that's ch- trying to keep some continuity with the players. Um, I mean, I hope so. I don't want them to sell off. Like that, it would be so bad if they sold off this team. This team is a core that is. Mm-hmm capable of doing some big things yeah and i think that with with him he's been a he's been a solid arm in that pen for a long time trevino right yeah trevino sorry sorry um yeah he's been a solid arm in that pen he was the closer to end the season for them last year and so when you look at now and another the big thing here is you got to also start looking up the draft at who which closers are being taken ahead of them you start jumping up the draft. You got Ken Giles being taken ahead of him, coming off the injury, not even sure he has a job. Matt Barnes, not even sure if he has a job. Lucas Sims, not even sure if he has a job. Garrett Whitlock, not even sure if he has the job. Dylan Floro is the next pitcher that you could pretty much bank that he's going to have the job, but he's going forty picks ahead. Lou Trevino, who you know, Trevino's not the type of closer that's going to get you the great strikeout numbers. His whip is a little bit higher than you'd love, but he's going to get those saves. Right now, he's going pick 282. That is way, way back in the draft, especially when closers are being pushed up like, like there's a, like there's a, there's a run on them, um, especially as it's going. So I think if you're looking at value in the draft for a closer, Trevino to me is a fantastic value because he's going to get you saves and he's going to have the role. Uh, I like Lou Trevino a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know where he was on here. Uh, Lou Trevino. It's going around pick 282. Yeah, so it's good value. Uh, I'll be real quick with mine. You guys hear that train coming? The uh, choo-choo. The uh, A train. Aaron Ashby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page with him. Man. He's a uh, strong Aaron Ashby love here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is, again, another guy fits the theme. Like, he doesn't have a guaranteed rotation spot. But, I mean, the stuff is there. I mean, you look. Four five five ERA in thirty one point two innings, but had a three fifty eight FIP. His ability to miss bats with multiple pitches, change up thirty four percent whiff rate. Obviously, his slider is the big attraction. Forty two percent whiff rate on his slider, and you know that that slider is going to make him a good lock for strikeouts. In fact, 
he trailed only Corbin Burns with his curveball and Blake Trinan with his slider for the lowest batting average against a pitch thrown more than 200 times last year. Uh, so Corbin Burns had a, uh, a .069 average with his curveball. Blake Trinan had a .074 average with his slider. And then uh, Aaron Ashby had a .077 average with his slider. That's um, And then Jordan White, uh, shout out at Bunt Singles, Point added out, uh, he pointed out the movement of his sliders elite too, with the movement that it has on it. So he just put up a graph about it. But overall, I mean, you look that the chase percentage, the chase contact percentages are lower than average. Whiff percentages are great. Why can't he be the next guy in this rotation to be? You have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. The Brewers obviously know what they're doing with these guys. I know Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser right now are in front of him. But I would not be shocked to see Adrian Hauser slip over to a long reliever, especially if, if uh, Aaron Ashby is able to really take a step forward, pitch some more innings next year. And uh, I think he could be the next Brewers pitcher in the making here, and you can get him at a pretty, pretty good price. Yeah, I got I got all six of those Brewers guys in my top 99 pitchers. I, I like Ooh. all of them. Um, and I got Ashby up there in, in the early 70s. I I think he's a beast, and yeah, he could definitely overtake. I like Lauer quite a bit. Hauser's probably my least of uh, of the six there, but uh, he's a pretty solid pitcher. So yeah, Ash might have to fight for it a little bit early on, but he's got way better skills than Hauser. Hauser had mm-hmm. that shiny ERA last year, but he didn't, he didn't quote-unquote earn it in terms of uh, the, the skills behind it. He really lived on that ground ball rate, and kudos to him. He made it work, but I think Hauser is a, a potential victim to Ashby there. And uh, we could see Ashby in the rotation as early as like May 1st. Yeah. And that, I mean, again, fantastic value. Imagine if he does go there May 1st, because I believe right now, yeah, he's going 269, which actually it's up a little bit more. I think he was uh, closer to pick like 280 a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So it is going up a little bit. But again, I mean, this is a guy that you're getting at the very end of your draft, not very end, but even right before pick 300. And, uh, the strikeout stuff he's going to have it at minimum. You, he could be kind of, I mean, Tanner Houck's my favorite breakout pitcher this year, but Aaron Ashby's not far behind. And at the very worst, you might have a guy that comes in in the fourth inning and pitches maybe, you know, four, fifth, and sixth, gets some cheap wins, gives you a lot of Ks for your ratios, and uh, just be nasty. I mean, worst things could happen, but that, I think that's his floor at this point. So um, I, I think he's a great value where he's going. but. We'll close out pitcher discussion and let's quickly go through the pitchers that we do not like where their ADP is, ADP is right now. And means we probably won't draft them where they currently stand. So, Paul, for the last bit of pitcher discussion, why don't you kick us off here? I'll actually be quick on one. It's Robbie Ray. It's, you know, a huge breakout kind of out of nowhere. Um, I like that he's going to a better park, but I just don't trust it. I'm just not paying full price. We've kind of had a theme about talking about paying full price. For the previous year when it was a, a breakout out of nowhere, that's what this was. I just won't pay for it. If he beasts, I'll tip my cap and say he's he's a new player, but I, I can't pay for Robbie Ray based on his history. And, Doc, that's your pick as well. Yeah, I uh, made a video about don't overpay for Robbie Ray. Uh, 2021 was an anomaly. Ours. 2.84 <laughs> ERA as four for his career. Um, his expected ERA was 3.6 last year. Is a 1.04 whip last year. It's 1.32 for his career. He's actually under been, he's actually only been under that whip twice in the seven years. Um, last year he threw his fastball slider 90.2% of the pitches he threw. Um, I don't 
like that. I, I think he needs more of the, the third pitch, the slider a little bit more. And he's going to get less wins on the Mariners than he was with the Blue Jays. So um, 44 is just a little bit too high for me. Yeah, I know um, Michael Simeone, SP Streamers, talked about the amount that he uh, fastball middle, the uh, the numbers that were off of it, and he kind of seemed like he got a little lucky with that. Uh, I had a conversation on Twitter with a couple people about where I ranked him, and Mike Doc Carter pointed out that he had a 90% left on base percentage last year, so you expect that to regress some. Just Where'd seems you like they Well, I, I, I had him pretty low. I had him at 44. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm with it. I mean, I... I was talked up from, I think, like early 30s, and I think I got him late 20s now. But I, I don't I don't think you should move him if you don't want to. Like, there's a lot of worry here. And he might have just had an amazing year. Like, there are things backing up what he did, but that doesn't mean that they'll continue. And that's another thing I think we kind of struggle with sometimes in the fantasy community. We go look for evidence. We do the work. We see reasons why it stayed. But then the next part is, like, can they continue to do that? That's mm-hmm. the question, right? First, was it built on something believable? Then do they carry that foundation over? And that's the scary part with Ray. It, I just, I can't trust it. It was also a contract year. Like he wanted exactly. to get paid. He might, there he might, is data there that says that guys turn up, they play through more injuries. Uh, that's the biggest thing is they get more playing time. And he beasted. He just absolutely killed it. I kind of compared him to a glorified R.A. Dickey where – you know, a little bit, you know, above average pitcher for the majority of his career. Has one amazing season where he wins the Cy Young. And then, you know, the Blue Jays traded for him, obviously, giving up yeah. prospects. And, you know, in this sense, he's a free agent. But you're overpaying for a career year after seven years of what you know you're kind of good. Exactly. Well, let me tell you guys this. Like, so real quick, and then we can do uh, the last couple guys here. So in 2017 with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you look at his numbers. 12 Ks per nine, 11.8 Ks per nine. I'm sorry, 11.5 Ks per nine in 2021. He did walk that year 3.94 per nine. Last year was 2.42. But you look at it across the board, a 2.89 ERA. He had a 2.84 ERA last year. Expected ERA of uh, 3.34 and FIP 3.72. The XERA and FIP is right around that range as well. Home run fly ball rates are both. uh, So this year was 15.9%. That year was 15.6%. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of stuff. He's done this before. I mean, yeah. obviously, the, the walks per nine was the little bit of a difference, but we've seen him absolutely beast. And then, like, like Paul, you were saying, and then the next year completely flop just to take him where he is. Uh, and I, I moved so him tough. up, too. I, I moved him up into the, the low 30s. I, I can't move him into my top 30 personally, but I did bump him up a little bit. But I, I, I can't take him where he's going. Just you, I, this is, He's one of those players where, like, you're like, oh, well, you can't be like, oh, I need to see multiple years of everybody. But with how volatile his profile has been throughout his career, you, like, I can't just go in based off his track record. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I just can't pay full price for last year as if that's the guy that he is. And that's what that price entails. There is no factoring of who Robbie Ray has been with that draft price at 45 and mm-hmm. pitcher 16. If he was pitcher 22, um, and, and pick, um, you know, I actually, that'd still be too high too for me. I, it, I don't know if it was something like in the eighties, which if he was like Luis yeah. Castillo, who's pitcher 31 and pick 80, that would still obviously be high, but at least it would be some deference to what Robbie Ray has been. This yeah. just says, look at this new ace. He's an ace. Go ace him up. And I can't do it. 
Yeah, I, I think this Ranger, I'd feel a lot better if you think I'm taking him there. Uh, all right, Marty, give us your last guy. Yeah, so real quick, it's going to be Zach Wheeler. So he's 23rd, he's going 23 overall, 7th pitcher off the board. And last year in TGFBI, I drafted Wheeler in the 6th round, 79th pick overall. Now he's going before Jacob DeGrom and Shane Bieber. So it, it's less than, it's less about believing in what Wheeler's doing, and it's, it's more of just I am not ready to invest that high of a pick. Second round pick in Zach Wheeler with so much more on the board. Um, personally, I have Wheeler ranked as my 12th pitcher overall. So he's sandwiched between Lance Lind and S- Sandy Alcantara. So if he was more in the 50s, 55, around there, Wheeler, I, I would fire him up. But where he's going right now, I, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences if I'm going to go pitcher there. I'm going to Grom. I'm going Bieber. I'm sorry, yeah. Marty, that you're a hater. Yeah, you're a big Wheeler guy. We'll, we'll say that for another day. We do <laughs> uh, Cheesecake, give us yours last one real quick. I'm going to push back. I think DeGrom is being overdrafted. I, I think that when you look at what he had did last year, it's probably the strongest 90 to 100 inning season of uh, an MLB history, perhaps. And he also started to get wins last year. He had seven wins in those 90 innings, which for him. He usually needs like 35 a, starts for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like two thirds of his, his usual season. But uh, when you, he, this, this was his first significant time missed in, in the last few seasons. He did not finish the season on the mound, which to me was a big red flag. They even brought four back out for, for the last game of the season. DeGrom, no starts. Um, but I think when you look at the stats last year, I mean, his, his season was amazing, but it, it, it and if he doesn't hit the, that season again, you're still getting Jacob DeGrom, a multiple Cy Young award winner, a great guy, but I don't think you can bank on the innings. I, I think I'm going to have to see at this point, I'm going to have to see him out there pitching before I take him in the second round. He's going 24th overall. He's gone as high as 12th. But then you look at guys going behind him. Bieber's going behind him. He finished the season on the mound. Urias going behind him. Alcantara's going behind him. I think I'm all the way down. I think I'd probably take guys like Giolito and Nola just because I trust their arms a little bit better than, than DeGrom. I trust the fact... Because Degrom had an elbow injury, that's mm-hmm. a that's a pitching injury. It's not it's not something else. It's an it's a pitching injury. So we don't know when he's going to be back, when he's going to be good. And we don't know if he starts the season with the team, whether or not he's going to finish the season as well. I think his his that injury to me, it's showing that he might be starting to get a little bit of wear and tear on the arm. Um, I thought there was a really great point that Ron Chandler made on the Beat the Shift podcast recently. Where are you drafting against in a home league with, with your friends where you got guys who are going to be conservative because they only have one or two teams and maybe three or four? Or are you drafting in a league with guys who have like 15, 20 teams? One of them's going to want to get their DeGrom share yep. at 22 or, or 16 or 17. So, you know, you're going to have to look around you and say, where's DeGrom going to go? I think if you're in a home league, it's possible the ground slips a little bit more, but if you're going with a bunch of uh, 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 Chandler called them power drafters, he's probably going to be pushed up a little bit, and I'm just not going to pay that price. That's a great point. I think it's fair. I got. I wish there was a bigger discount too. Uh, you know, the ground's a god, and I definitely agree with the point about if I'm a one or two league person, I I don't think I can take that that inherent risk like right onto my team immediately to where. First day of spring, he could 
pop and it's TJ. Like that, that is a real risk. That's a real risk for everybody, right? They can mm-hmm. all have that. But his, again, DeGrom's risk is heightened and there's just not a big enough discount for that. Meanwhile, if he goes and he throws, if he's popping 96, like I said with Verlander, he's crushing in spring. He's going up to a single digit pick. DeGrom mm-hmm. is. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, just real quick, as it stands today, where, what round are you taking DeGrom and where you're comfortable drafting him? The only draft I've taken him so far is I took him at the last pick of the second round. So like the two, three turn. Uh, I don't know if I would take him before then. What about you guys? Yeah, that, that's about it. I, I would really hope for third round. I just, I'm not able to get then. So I've been pivoting elsewhere to one of the Milwaukee guys, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe Beebs or Rias. Third round for me. Third round for me. Yeah, third. As of now, I I would, I would spring up, um, to late second, um, because we haven't heard otherwise that he's injured. That's true. Like, there's never been, there's not anything out there that says, like, be panicked. Of course, there's not anything of anything right now because we're Mm -hmm. in lockout. No, no news, no news is good news unless it's the MLB lockout. (laughs) True. There you go. Uh, I'll close this discussion out. Kevin Gosman is the one I'm a little wary of uh, right now going, I believe, around 58, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, I'll pull that just to be sure. But, 59, yeah, I think. Or 59, yeah. So, or the 58th player, yeah. It says there on the left. Yeah, 58 player, 50, around the 59th pick. Uh, his max pick around 80 is, again, right. We were talking about that kind of with Robbie Ray. That's that's where I feel more comfortable. So it's, it's kind of a couple things. So you look, one, he's a two-pitch pitcher, four-seamer splitter. I usually like if guys have a third pitch, but, you know, obviously some guys may get work with two. But if you kind of look towards the second half and someone, you know, combated this today when we were talking about it, that they said, you know, with the the whole sticky substance stuff that pitchers were finding themselves. But if you're making that narrative, hitters did a better job in general picking up Gosman's splitter and they stopped swinging out of the zone on against it. So if you look, Gosman's chase rate against the splitter dropped from 44% in June to 31% in July. And it ticked up to about 37% in August, and it kind of stayed around there uh, for most of the rest of the year. And if guys aren't chasing his splitter out of the zone, then it's going to be a problem because that's his pitch. And uh, I do think him obviously going to Toronto, going against the Yankees, going against the Red Sox, going against the Rays, going from away from the Giants and being able to play against you know the uh, the Diamondbacks. And, well, he's at know, Camden, which is a home run hitter park. And Camden's a home run hitter park. Let's go back uh, to the scene of the crime of the AL Central, uh, yeah. AL East. Can't yes. And I, I just, I'm a little bit worried now, kind of like with Robbie, right? I know Gosman's done it a little bit longer, and that's why I'm not like, uh, there's no way I'm taking him. I'm sure I'll have some shares, but it's 58 is a lot for, it needs, everything needs to go right for him to, to hit that price. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to live up to the 58th or the 59th, uh, you know, draft spot around here. Especially pick twenty nine, uh, someone took him in pick twenty nine. I- I'll probably if this range where Gosman is, I'll probably wait a little bit later and get like I'll I'll take Jack Flaherty over him personally. Um, just that's how I feel about it. And you know, going further down, you know, the Brios, Joe Musgrove obviously has been a name that many have been talking about as one of the bigger breakout pitchers this year. I'll take Musgrove there, Luis Castillo. Like I'll take a lot of these guys after where he's going. So. I don't think I'll have too much Kevin Gosman this year. But that makes sense to me. All right. Well, let's, we're going to close the book on our ADP loves and hates, and we're going to quickly finish out the show here with what makes triple play, triple play fantasy. And that's our question and game of the week. 
And Cheesecake came up with both. So nice job, Cheesecake. But our question this week, of course, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. As we are an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors, if you deposit $100, we'll match that. Anything 100 or under, we got you. So please make sure you use our code Triple Play, and we'll match whatever you throw their way up to $100. So our question this week, who had the best rookie season to not win Rookie of the Year honor? So this was a little bit of a digging question. You had to dig to find the answer. Uh, Paul, what did you have as yours? Brandon Webb. Oh, nice. My man had 284 ERA, 115 whip, and 172 strikeouts in 181 innings. Excellent season. He'd actually kind of fall off a bit after that, where he was like walking the yard before he then jumped up to his Cy Young level. He didn't win the Cy Young, or the, the Rookie of the Year. Remember, 284 ERA. Dontrell Willis won it. Dontrell Willis had a 330 ERA. He had a 128 whip to Webb's 115. He had 142 strikeouts to Webb's 172. He threw 20 fewer innings. In what universe did this make sense? Yeah, he was a very cool player. Uh, I love Dontrell. And, you know, he had the, the delivery and the fun factor. That doesn't mean anything for performance. The craziest part is Webb finished third because Scott Pitsednik was ahead of him as well. And Scott really? Pitsednik had a nice season, 314, 379. 443 with nine homers, 43 steals. He actually did great. Uh, I would actually be okay with him finishing second to Webb. But the fact that Webb lost to another pitcher who he was superior than, uh, superior to across the board is just nonsensical. It makes, it makes absolutely no sense. That's what nonsensical means. Um, and it's just so, so stupid and shows how bad votes, uh, used to be. Not saying there's never bad votes these days. But I think they're a lot better. I don't think this same mistake would happen today. Because I'm sorry, this is a mistake. I know it's a vote. And so on some level, how can you say a vote is wrong? But if we're looking at the evidence here and we can compare two guys in the same categories, there there's just no brain that, that should function and put Willis ahead of Webb unless you're going off the 14 and 6 record versus the 10 and 9, which I guarantee you a lot of people voted on, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure like also, I feel like, Dontrell looked like he was going to be the new wave of pitcher. The yep. way he pitched and like it was the style. So cool. And, yeah. Wait, I think hey, can, I, can I go next? Because I'm going to one-up him on this in terms of pitcher stats. How, how do you one-up Brandon Webb? That's one of the best pitchers of our childhood. Go, go ahead. Well, I'm going to go Roy Oswald. Yeah, in 2001. Yep. Uh, he went 14 and, a, 14 and 3, 273 ERA, 1.06 whip. He finished fifth in Cy Young voting. He said he finished second in rookie of the year to Albert Pujols, who, I mean, I can't even be mad about giving it to him. 329, 37 homers, 130 RBIs. Obviously, they, obviously they play a different position, but Roy Oswald came out of the gate firing and he only finished higher in Cy Young voting a couple more times in his career, but fifth as a rookie to not win rookie of the year. Um, it sucks, but see that yeah, that one's tough because that's just another deserving season. But Pujols is oh yeah, definitely he, he just, the winner. It was it was for sure the winner. Yeah, he just he just pitched in the wrong year to be a rookie there for Oswald. Whereas I think the Webb one is he should have absolutely won it. Oswald just caught hard luck because that's an amazing year and he doesn't deserve a chance at it, which he didn't get. He it was thirty two first place votes for Pujols, and yet you look at that year and you're like that's so godly. 
and it doesn't even get one first place vote for rookie of the year. Now, do you guys think they should do what like the NFL does, where they like offensive rookie and defensive rookie? I'd should be they fine do, like, with that. I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, but don't, have no a, don't, that. don't have AL and NL, just have hitter and pitcher. That would totally work, too. Yeah, why not do that and expand the pool, uh, especially because rookie classes vol- are volatile, right? Sometimes they're mm-hmm. really robust with a bunch of guys. Other times it's like four guys, and then maybe one, and then one of the leagues is not even that good, but he wins just by default. I also right. wish that the Hank Aaron Award had the same significance as the Cy Young Award. Then I'd feel a lot more comfortable with pitchers winning MVP because as it stands right now, I think both those awards stand at the top, and yet mm-hmm. pitchers can qualify for both, and hitters only qualify for one. That doesn't seem fair to me. I wish right. the MVP was on top, Cy Young, Hank Aaron, then the Rookie of the Year, then the Gold Glove and Silver Slugger. But unfortunately, the Hank Aaron Award just doesn't have any cachet. That's a very interesting point. I, I never really thought of it like that, but they, they- that's that's why I don't like pitchers for MVP. I get that they're allowed and someone wants to vote that. I get it. But for me personally, if I ever got in the BBWA and got a vote, I would never vote a pitcher MVP unless they were just light years better than every hitter, which very rarely happens. Yeah. They have their own MVP. It's Cy Young. Right. No, 100%. Um, Marty, what about you? Who's your pick? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring it back to 2010 when the Detroit Tigers, Mr. Austin Jackson was a rookie and he was absolutely oh, right. Jackson. Austin Jackson, baby. <laughs> So, he, so here's who won. So the Texas Rangers, Nathalie Falez, he had a fine year as a rookie. Remember he him. went four and three. He had a 2.73 ERA over 69.1 innings. Uh, How many saves? Good. How many saves? Yeah, 40 saves too. He's closer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, hey, saves. hey, leave it out of poor detail. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's closer. Beast closer. Sure, 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 sure. Saves are cool. That's great. And I'm, I'm happy for everybody. But listen to this. So, now for Austin Jackson. In his rookie year, he ranked 13th in total at-bats. He had 618 at-bats as a rookie. Over those at-bats, he batted 293 with a 345 on-base percentage. He scored 103 runs, and he stole 27 bases. He's great. That's an amazing rookie year. Congratulations to the Rangers, who were a better team at the time. Anyway, we need we were we were five hundred that year. We needed every bit of those one hundred and three runs. It was an amazing, Austin Jackson. What an amazing rookie year! Jackson was. Had, go ahead. I was going to say, but he had zero saves. He did have zero saves. That That's is true. unfortunate. Can't argue with that. Uh, you just truly cannot argue that. Yeah, the volume plays big for me. One hundred and fifty-one games, six hundred eighteen at bats versus someone who's closing. And I get you know like. It's a little unfair because then what? Never a closer can never win rookie of the year, and I'm like, I'm fine with that actually. If that if that's kind of how it breaks <laughs> down, because if you put up a full season and maybe it was a five WAR guy too, and look comparing reliever WAR with 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 a hitter who played a full season, that's not really fair. The deck is stacked against Feliz, but yeah, I'm gonna go a little homer on that and say I agree. Austin Jackson that <laughs> as he, he touches the cap, yeah, the Detroit love right there. Cheesecake. <laughs> who did you pick as the biggest? snub for rookie of the year well i am i'm glad y'all did your research i didn't do any research i'm going clear off memory for this and 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 in 2013 jose fernandez won rookie of the year in the national league and he had a fantastic season his volume wasn't that big but in the same season i thought that yasiel puig came out and showed that someday one day he was going to be the best player in all of baseball hitting 320 20 home runs um with with good volume, I thought that that after that he said that he was he was on his way to being a top fantasy player, a top overall player player type of player in baseball. 
And uh, to me, the, the, the fact that he didn't win Rookie of the Year to me was like, well, are we talking about the best rookie, which Fernandez might have had the best at? So are we talking about the guy who, who the best rookie who's going to have the best career? And to me, it was obviously Puig, although. But I, should, I it, think, should it ever be who's going to have the best career? Because it's the rookie of the year, right? It's not, it's not who's well, going to be the best player going forward. But, but Puig had a fantastic rookie season. He did. And, he did. And Fernandez had a good rookie season. Eleven and two, I think he went, but he only he only really? played about half the season, right? No, he had one hundred and seventy two and two thirds. Remember, they they, they they brought him up. I like, did no research. Yeah, no, and that's fine. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to help you on that because he broke camp, and remember, it was like a big big surprise because he had not he had not pitched higher than high A. Okay, I did not remember old, that. Yeah, and remember the Marlins were like, he's ready, so we're not going to waste bullets in the minors. It's just something that they've been consistent with, even as some of the regimes have changed. They've had an element of of uh, continuity there, where when their pitchers are ready, they bring them up. So that was a more full season than you remember. I think this is more a case of the of the Oswalt one, where Puig is very deserving, and there's so many years that he would have won. But I think Fernandez with 172 innings of a 219 ERA and a .98 WHIP with 187 strikeouts, I think he's the clear winner there. So I think it's yeah. just more that we got put up against the wrong guy versus him deserving it over Fernandez. That's my opinion, personally. No, I think you might be right on that. And like I said, this there's a reason why he didn't win it, obviously, that year. Or or but I do think that the promise of that season, it's I almost was so important. excited with him. Yeah, the promise of that season, it really really never came through from that. Yep. And to me, that that memory of that season and how exciting of a player he was, I thought it was. I thought we were looking at some, at the next great player. There's a reason MLB the show always has to go back to his rookie year for a for a flashback card for him because that's the only year that he was like truly a star. Mm-hmm. He was still pretty good the following year, but he went from a 925 OPS to an 863, and then it really plateaued from there. Like he was still pretty good, but it, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's out of the league at 30 and his last season was basically a league average year when he went 24 and 19. It's just crazy that he's out of the league. And I know he had some off the field stuff. I'm not saying that he should just be forgiven for that, but I haven't seen anything where he's been in jail either. And there's other guys that are playing while having stuff pending or whatever. I don't think he even has anything pending. So I think it is weird that he's just out of the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, I mean, I guess teams didn't want the headache, but he's not, I mean, how much I, yeah. of a headache is he? Like, he didn't, like, I, I guess that's it though. Like, because you throw in off the field stuff that that is like criminal potential, because there were some cases against him. Again, I, I don't believe any of those put him, uh, you know, that were, he was convicted on anything. Um, and this is not me taking up for anything that that he may or may not have done. It's more of me saying that I'm surprised that this was the guy they picked to say, "Fine, we were we're going to take a stand for once." If right. they want to say that with anybody who kind of gets. Yeah, uh, domestic violence situations, sure, but it seemed like they kind of picked and chose, and they're like, this is the guy who's had problems before, so we're just going to kick him out now, basically. Yeah, it was pretty wild, kind of how his career just kind of just he's like totally tailspinned out. He, he couldn't find a job last year, and like, think about all the injuries and times that COVID popped up, and nobody nobody thought to give him a, a, an opportunity. He got that one chance with Atlanta where it's like he was signing in mm-hmm. 20, then he himself got COVID. And Puig has just been dust in the wind since. I think he's playing on the same team with uh, was we had Danny Espinosa on last year, and I'm pretty sure as I follow him on Instagram, Danny Espinosa, that they actually played on the same team for a little oh, bit wow. last year. Yeah, it's that, like some like Mexican team. Well, he's in, uh, he, or he played a little bit in the winter league. 
for the Dominican Winter League, the Toros, but it looks like okay. he didn't do much there. He did play really well in that Mexican League team that you're talking about. I don't know. It doesn't show um, Danny Espinosa was on his team, but maybe in the league. But uh, do you guys remember Alexi Amarista and Paulo Orlando? Those are two oh, names yeah, I recognize that I are do on remember his those team. Guys, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were on his yeah. Mexican League team. That's awesome. Um, uh, mine, real quick, Trevor Rogers is, is obviously very recent. Very. Uh, 24 years old. He paced NL rookies last year in ERA, innings, strikeouts, whip, batting average against in 25 starts. This is actually, a, I forgot who the author was, but this was on MLB.com. Since the mound was lowered in 1969, only six rookie pitchers had matched his season total in wins and strikeouts while recording as low an ERA as he did. And five of them actually won the award. That's Jose Fernandez, uh, Hideo Nomo, Dwight Gooden, Fernando Valenzuela, and John Matlock. So, I mean, basically saying how good his numbers were, five of the six other pitchers won that award. So kind of shows you that, he, in a way, you could say, I mean, India had a great year, but Trevor Rogers was pretty much consistently from, you know, besides a little bit of a stretch, he was consistent year, like start in and start out. I was I think that's the part, though, is that inconsistency at the end cost him. But it wasn't even really his fault. Didn't he have like a family situation pop mm-hmm. up? Yeah. And then a COVID situation. And it's like he kind of got forgotten there because he missed all of August. But when he came back in September, he was still good. It's just that Rodgers for the final four months of the season was just lights out. And the rookie of the year is probably the biggest one that can be driven by narratives of uh, performing down the stretch. And I know it can happen with MVP too, but you have to have a pretty strong season. But he basically punted the first two months India did, but then he was a god from June on. Yeah. And he stole that award from Rodgers because, oh man, I, I think Rodgers deserved it too. But India was, uh, he's deserving, but yeah. I think Rodgers should have won. Yeah. I mean, I, when I read that stat that five of the six other guys that had his numbers, that I, I was like, he, he didn't do anything. I mean, a 264 ERA, like, that's nuts. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, as a rookie, that's insane and yeah. 25 starts. So. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all the guys we brought up, I think, you know, they could have won it in other years, just, you know, didn't obviously happen for them. But let's get to the last part of the show. Game of the week, Cheesecake's hosting, the best game host out there, the best explanation <laughs> of games out there. So why don't you tell us what we're playing? I, I get, I get crap for how I explain the games I create. So I'm going to try and do this. I'll talk very slowly. Okay. Since there have been 47 15 team ADP drafts, 24 since December 1st, 23 before them, we are comparing the two. Have I, have I lost any of you yet? No. Okay. All right. So that's basically the game. I'm going to give you the questions and it's going to be a comparison of their first, of the first 23 drafts between October and December 1st and the last 24 between December 1st and today. Who's rising? Who's falling? What are the trends? Um, the first question, uh, and it's going to be the uh, Price is Right answer style. The first question, uh, closers in the top 100 are the only players who have r- risen at least 10 spots are all closers in the top 100. I want you guys to tell me the biggest riser out of these closers. Rysel Iglesias, Manuel Classe. Edwin Diaz, Brian Presley, Roldis Chapman, and Kenley Jansen. Those are the only players who have risen at least 10 spots in the top 100. Which one of them has risen the most? Uh, David, we'll start with you. I feel like Do you want me to say their names again? No, I, I think I know it just by when. I think it's Ryan Presley. Uh, Doc. I think it's Emmanuel Classe. 
Marty. Class A. Score. Class A. Class A is the largest riser of 15 spots, but all of them are 10 to 14 otherwise. So it's it's real tight. It's real tight. You said Presley. I think Presley was a 14 riser. Oh, so I was second. Oh, he was second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big. All right. So biggest fallers uh, in the draft. Uh, These are. I'm going to give you guys four pitchers, and you're going to tell me who you think is the biggest faller. All of these pitchers have fallen at least 30 spots from the first 23 drafts to the second 24 drafts. And these four pitchers are Luis Severino, Lance McCullers, Clayton Kershaw, or Adam Wainwright. Who is the biggest faller? We're going to start with Doc. Uh, Severino, McCullers, Kershaw, Wainwright. That's right. Ah, Stuck between two. Um... I'm going to go Kershaw because uncertainty if he retires or not. Marty? Kershaw. Spore. I'm sorry to not be original, but Kershaw's my pick too. Mendy? Lance McCullers jumped out at me. I'm going Lance McCullers. That was my other one if I didn't pick him. Same. Mendy, you just evened up the game. McCullers has dropped 49 spots. Kershaw has dropped 33. Second biggest drop, Adam Wainwright. Wonder what put uh, McCullers in. What I was thinking was like he wouldn't have been coming. He shouldn't have been going that high coming out of the playoffs because he got hurt in the playoffs. That's why I didn't think it was him, even though he was the first thing that crossed my mind. But yeah, I guess people are realizing there's some there's some concern there. There's some mm-hmm. major concern. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest risers among closers. I'm going to get off of pitching here in a minute, but we're going to go back to closers overall. These four closers have all risen at least 30 spots from the first 23 to the next 24 drafts. Blake Trinan, Camilo Doval, Lucas Sims, Lou Trevino. Who is the biggest riser out of those four? We're going to start with Marty. Trevino. Spore? Duvall. Mendy? Duvall is going to be my pick, too. Doc? Duvall is my pick. Lucas Sims has risen 51 spots. Wow. Lou Trevino has risen 49. Blake Trinan, 39. Duvall, actually 32 is, is, the, is wow. the smallest drive. Oh, okay. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Dead wrong. <laughs> uh, so right now, at this point, we're all tied with uh, one, one apiece after three questions. How many questions we got? Well, I'm only going to do... <laughs> I have a bunch, but uh, I'm not going to do as many because... Uh, because we're going to... Uh, I'll talk we, too long. Just say no. It's okay. <laughs> we should do whoever gets three first. Okay. Um, so, okay. Now, this this round of questions, we're going to ask... I'm going to ask about one player, and it's worth two points. you got to tell me whether they rose or fall, fell, and by how much. So, if they rise or fall, you get... If you get that correct, you get one point. And the closest to by how much... Gets another point. So we should okay. do it to, to five then, since it's a two part, a two point question. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, the first person on this list is Zach Granke, and I think Spore starting. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I think so. All right. Zach Granke, has he risen or fallen? Fallen. And then we're going to go, David, has he risen or fallen? Do you, you give you the number or no? I think we're going to just get the number af- after we decide on who- who's gotten it right. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, I think he's falling as well. Uh, Doc. I think he's falling also. Marty? I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say Rizzo. Just like Christ. He, <laughs> he has... <laughs> Wait, what, did you say like Christ? <laughs> no. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Marty. Well, he has... <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually fallen. Damn it. But uh, Marty had the best answer, obviously. True. So, uh, <laughs> by by how much score? Mm. Can I? I'll tell you. He was at three oh five. Fifty picks. Mendy. He's down at three thirty eight. So what's that? Thirty three. Oh picks? Jesus! Christ. Ah, you're cheating. No, no. Is that actually what it is? I swear to God, I didn't. Oh no, play. no. I thought you you said you said he's at three thirty eight now. Wait, no, you... no. Like that's my guess. Like I think. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, okay. I was I like, thought, are you looking you at looking, something? And I was I like, mean, no, 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 no. Like that's not right. But but you're look. We did do December first, not fifteen team drafts. So if Wait, you memorized it. No, so no, I didn't. I what, what was he yeah. prior? What, so three oh five. So you uh, said he dropped thirty three, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going I'm going thirty one. He's dropped twenty six spots. He's at three thirty one. You were really close when you guessed hey. him. I was, like, I was like, Mindy, you little cheater. So <laughs> two, Doc, two for your Doc boy. Got, you got two points. Both yeah, you guys Doc, did. Oh no, uh, Doc Doc got two prices right got one point. Yeah, yeah he de- he definitely priced. No, no, right I, I honestly just went with my number that that was in my head prior. Uh, that's what they all say, of course. Okay, so we are. Who's who's leading this one off, David? Back to David. Yeah. All right, the, this is going to be another uh, rise or fall, and uh, by how much? Joey Gallo. The doc could end the game with this, by the way. Yeah, that's could. true. Joey Gallo, uh, from October first to the end of November, was the one hundred eighty third player off the board. Has he risen or fallen? I'll say he's risen. Okay, he's, uh, he's risen. <laughs> Die. He is more he's powerful. he's he's yeast in the oven. He's risen. <laughs> Marty, risen. Paul, <laughs> down. Paul. Paul is the only one who got it right. Damn oh. it. All right. So if you if you tell me, I guess we're gonna say since you're the only one, I guess you have to get within within five of how many uh, to get the extra point. Eighteen. Oh, it's he's fallen eleven spots, one eighty three oh. to one ninety four. So right now, Paul and Doc are tied with three. David has two. Marty has one. So there, are, I'm going to give you guys three players. No, that's not the question I'm going to do. Um, we're going to go with. Just remember that any any one of these could end it, so make sure you get your favorites in now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any of these could end it, that, so man, if man, you desperately want to get in, start start moving those to the top. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jared Klenick, or Kelnick. I don't know how to say that. Right. Kelnick, you got it. Yeah. Jared Kelnick. Um, Doc is starting off. Has Jared was taking 130 on average from October 1st to the end of November. Is, has he risen or fallen, Doc? He's, he's risen. Marty. Risen. Paul? I think he's down too. David. I feel like he's uh risen up recently. He has risen. Dang. So he's he was at one thirty. Doc, how many has he risen? So he was at one thirty prior. Mm-hmm. He's risen twenty four spots. Marty. Twenty. David? I was gonna say twenty, so I'll go nineteen. Damn you, David! You price is right. Yeah, five spots. 
Doesn't that end it for for David? Didn't he just win? No, I had two, so I have four now. Oh, okay. Oh, so me and you got four. Let's go, David. That's That's right. That's right. So four. How many does Marty have? I got, got one. Or, Marty or got two. two. Marty got two, and I got okay. Three. All right. So this three is my. Finish it if it's a this is. This, okay. I'm gonna do a one pointer because I want to get this one in. Okay. okay. How many Hernandezes have been taken in at least twenty <laughs> drafts in each? How many so named good. Hernandez? And we're gonna start with Marty. Closest to the score wins. Oh, Hernandez. 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 Not Hernandez. Hernandez. <laughs> I, I, and are we just talking about this year? <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, in the draft. Yeah. I say six. And Paul. Four. David? Eight. Eric. And, and, it's, and how many of the top picks? Or just in the drafts in they, general. They, are, they have been taken in at least twenty drafts in each in each draft. I respect the research you put for this question. Yeah, this is this is a good one. This is a really this good, good one. one. I'm gonna go three. The answer is seven. So no, we, David and Marty both got it. You both got a point. That makes right. David the winner. He gets to five first. He gets to put it on his resume. Oh nice. yeah, it goes on the resume. Uh, finally, David. David doesn't blow the game. I always, see, I always get into the final, the final two, and then I always can never pull it out. So I just needed, I needed the Hernandez question to get me there. <laughs> but you know what? We'll take it. But on that note, I'll celebrate my win another time because I want to make sure we give Paul the proper sign off. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show, sticking with us for almost two hours. I know it's a long time, and. uh Really appreciate your time, and I want you to go ahead and plug all the great stuff that you do. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, Twitter.com slash sport, twitch.tv slash sport. You can find me there. We're amping up the off-season stuff uh, with the calendar turning into the new year. I know we have a lockout right now, but again, I'm pretty confident we're going to play, so check out my stuff on Fangraphs, uh, fantasy.fangraphs.com. Streaming all the time. I'll be streaming later tonight, twitch.tv slash sport, if you want to come through and hang out. But thank you all so much for having me on. These are always so fun to do. Hey, we love having you, man. You're one of our favorite guests that we've had. I was, Thank it's you. been so long since we had him on, so I'm, I'm glad we could make it work. And um, yeah, obviously, again, Paul's one of the better places to go. I mean, obviously, like he said, it's a lockout right now. You can go watch him Twitch. I'm going to start watching and do his creative player, uh, which is actually going to be incredible. Uh, I can't wait. That's a great idea. We're going to be hooping tonight. So if you don't like basketball, then... Uh... Not not the night for you, but otherwise. Oh, somebody asked who the who the Hernandezes were. Yeah. Enrique Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, Carlos, Eliezer, <laughs> Teoscar, Yanni, and Yadiel, I imagine, are the seven. That was incredible, Paul. How did you not get that question right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, didn't, I forgot Enrique. I forgot three of them. I said four, and I just I forgot Eliezer, um, Enrique, Yanni, and Yadiel. But then I remembered them as I was going through everything and I'm like yeah I forgot him I forgot the, the Enrique one is the most embarrassing you I get a moral victory that was incredible that almost yeah gave me my whip for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, yeah check out Paul again Twitch check him out on Twitter check him out Fangraphs all the great stuff he does again one of the best followers out there in the fantasy baseball community and everybody that watches Triple Play on YouTube or you listen to the podcast always appreciate your guys support each and every week next week we'll be back with another guest for some more great off season content but until then Everyone stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.